good morning. It is a Friday Woo! edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Woo! Stan was up early this morning, so he's he's good. He's uh he's fired I up. S- I didn't sleep last night. I don't, I don't blame you. It's exciting times. It is uh, an electric day, an electric week here in Baltimore. A lot to cover, obviously, but we'll be focused on the uh, Orioles acquisition. It's Orange Friday moving forward, right? Corbin Burns. We're doing Orange Fridays now. Yeah. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to it. I say that wearing my <laughs> Ravens hoodie, so I guess I'm still the Ravens funeral. I'm still hung up, although it's not purple. Uh, a lot to do on the program today. Stan is here, Chief Grand Poobah at Press Box. Coming up on the program, a lot of Corbin Burns conversation. Uh, we will chat with uh, Ben McDonald, Xavier Scruggs from MLB Network Radio. We'll check in with us later. We, uh, Dan Duquette is scheduled to join us this morning. Also, we will continue to discuss what this means. John Auran from Puck, who, of course, was the first to uh, report the David Rubenstein news the other night. We'll check in with us later on, and uh, we'll take a brief pause this morning and talk a little football, a little Ravens with uh, Michael Lombardi, of course, a longtime front office executive, media mogul, and the author of the book Football Done Right. He'll join us as well. So a lot to do on the program today. Quick reminder that today's show is brought to you by our friends at Toyota. And we're excited to tell you that if you think you know high school basketball, you can go to countysportszone.com where you can pick the winners and earn points to see where you stand on the leaderboard. That's only at countysportszone.com presented by your local Toyota dealer. Stan the Fan Charles, we uh, got together last night over on Facebook Live. And we, yes, we did. Uh, you know, we all we had a. There's a lot. There's so many tentacles to the news of the Corbin Burns acquisition that it's hard to cover all of them. I, I think the takeaway, largely from the Orioles fan base, is holy effing crap. Um, that it's still sort of settling in that this feeling is real, tying it in to the news from earlier in the week. It's not signing a player for a hundred to three hundred million dollars it's not that but it's being bold it's taking a necessary step to try to say we believe that we have an opportunity to win maybe a world series and we would like to fortify that and all of those are feelings that unfortunately this fan base hasn't felt in a very in a long, long time, time. Yep. Yep. so i i think like the macro micro in a way as significant of the micro is as significant of, as Corbin Burns himself is, it might be that the macro is even more significant than that. Like the feeling of a franchise that's willing to do the things that are necessary in order to try to fortify a world series. There's winner. a certain gestalt to the whole thing. Sure. You know, it's, sure. it's larger. It's a little bit larger than life right now, you know? And I think the most interesting thing is that, you know, you and I both were on the same page last night, and I think Luke was too, about this is sort of David Rubenstein. But Jim Henneman, who's been around this a lot longer than you or I, uh, uh, a lot, lot yeah, longer yeah, than you. Anyone. Uh, he He's of the opinion this must have been in place before yeah. the sale. And, again, I think you and I discussed it off the air a few minutes ago. It's, it's something that Rubenstein – checked off one but it's not so out of the realm of possibility that they would have done this 
had the sale not just been impending any moment. I, I you know, again, not knowing what Jim might know yeah. versus speculating. I think I it's. I don't think he knows. I think right. he's just. It's a. I, I it's would a, say it's a deep gut that he has. It, is it likely that the Orioles had never called the Brewers before, and all of a sudden David Rubenstein on Tuesday, right. and then Mike calls him? I, I would say, yeah. I, I doubt that this. That David Rubenstein walked into a room and said, "I demand you get on the phone with the Brewers and find out if you can trade for Corbin Burns." Like I don't think that's what happened, but I, that would be cool if it did. My though. God, could you imagine? Because <laughs> tomorrow he could right say, "Now let's I get demand hundred percent." Let's let's call let's call and find out about Jordan Montgomery today, right? Like I I don't think that's the case, but I, I also don't know what the line is, and and the point that you and I were making off the air is no matter what. I think David Rubenstein was consulted on correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the part of this on Tuesday when we had this conversation on Wednesday, when we had a conversation, I said, I, I still need to see what this looks like. And as much as it's easy to say, David Rubenstein is 74 years old and, you know, can't be doing this just because he wants to sit back and collect profits. There's no, that doesn't make sense. He would only seemingly want to get in if he wants to win, if he wants to have some fun at this point in his life. I still needed to see that, right? Like, I still needed to see that he was on board with what the Orioles were doing, had no interest in rocking the boat, in putting his own people in charge, some of the things that wealthy people just like to do no matter what might be working within an organization. I wouldn't know anything about that, having never been wealthy. You and I both, my friend. Like, I have never been... But I am the Grand Poobah. You are the Grand Poobah. But, you, you know, you're not the type that's been in position to just walk in and say, this is how we're doing things now. I don't care what you've been doing in the past, which wealthy people have, have a, a tendency to, to do over the years. And I just wanted to see that David Rubenstein was going to you know, have a press conference where he said, no, I believe in Mike Elias. Mike Elias is why I wanted to be the owner of the Baltimore Orioles. I just want to fortify what Mike Elias is doing with a little bit more money and a little bit more freedom to make moves that he would be interested in making that he thinks behoove the Baltimore Orioles. I will not be commanding him to go out and spend reckless amounts of money just for the sake of spending it. I believe in what he's doing. That's what I wanted to hear from David Rubenstein. Well, we haven't heard that yet, obviously. He can't talk. You know, he's tweeted about this. He'll talk once the deal is finalized, and we'll we'll hear from him then. But this, to me speaks in a way that's as similar to that as possible. I would expect we'd hear from him because I don't know exactly how the process will be, Mm -hmm. but I think when spring training opens, um, he'll be down there at some point early on. He might not make a spectacle of it the first day, but I could see him being down there meeting high. I'm I'm trying to think about other... Re- new owners recently like i don't know if josh harris like met with the media before anything um, became yeah. official in washington I, I don't i don't know but yeah. yes to your point like i i'd be stunned if it's not finalized by then if he doesn't go try to familiarize himself and just show his face and yep. say hey i'm gonna be the new boss yep. whatever day it is that i become the new boss i'll be the new boss let me make sure I get to know you guys and you're aware of my existence and all of those things. He'll snap his fingers and lick my boots. Right, correct. This is the way it works Jordan now. Jordan Westberg, I'm get over, yeah, here, get over yeah. here. Right, I'm David Rubenstein. Don't you know who I am? I'm worth a <laughs> hundred gazillion dollars. Um, and so you can drive is me that around more town. More than four point six billion. I think it's a little gazillion? bit. I think that's what it's worth.
Um, so yeah, I, the the macro is significant. The micro is also significant. The micro is that Corbin Burns is everything that you want in a staff leader. He's everything you want in a guy that's going to take the ball in the biggest games. He's everything that you want. And even if it's only for this year, and we talked last night about, I, I hope that the Orioles will attempt to keep Corbin Burns around, but the reality is he's a Scott Boris client, and I would be surprised if there was a pathway for that to be taken care of before he got to the open market at the end of the year. Um, in this year, I think it's everything that you could possibly ask for in going out and acquiring a starting pitcher. You know, you, you brought up something last night saying he's – Clearly the best pitcher the Orioles have had since Mike Mussina. I remember when I moved back from Durham, North Carolina, and before I had started Press Box, which took about a year and a half to two years to get off the ground, uh, I started my own website. You know, that's how I was going to stay relevant. And I remember writing a column at the time called, like, In Search of a Horse. Okay. You know, the Orioles really needed somebody – and the guy at that time that I wanted them to go get was John Lackey, sure. who had been with the Sox a couple of years, but I think he was coming up on free agency. They never went out and remotely were in the running for somebody like that, and they have never been since. Uh, this is that type of guy, I mean, and they, then I, I guess when they were trying to get Aaron Seeley, Aaron Seeley was still pretty close to I don't think he but was not what this. this no, he not wasn't this. what this guy is. Yeah. You know? No. And again, we we taper it or temper it with the fact this is not a new six year extension. Nope. That he's going to be here. It's a one year deal at this point in time. Um, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I, I'm good. It, let's go back to um, the Manny Machado years. And remember, the thing that I kept saying over and over is you've got to decide <laughs> one way or the other. Either you've got to move on if you're not if either you got to sign the guy move on when you can maximize his value or maximize your opportunity to win while you have him yeah unfortunately with Manny you know that second knee injury you remember he he hurt both of his knees like in back-to-back seasons mm-hmm. or over a year and a half that second knee injury scared the kajibis out of Peter Angelos who was all about kind of the actuarial tables of injuries and saying this, because they were close, I understand, to some type of early extension on Manny that would have bought out like maybe two years of free agency or something like that. But the second knee injury did that in. But you're absolutely right. Wouldn't it be nice to go back now and wonder what Dan Duquette could have gotten for him Ironically. and Zach Britton yeah. the year before. Correct. If you had traded them when they were maxed, there is the yeah. value. But the other option was, or say, look, we're not signing these guys. It's the reality of the circumstances. But we're going to try to put a couple more pieces right. around to really go in and say, before we lose these guys, we want to make the best run that we possibly can at winning. All of these are options. I'm not trying to say that I hope this is the Orioles saying we're never going to sign Adley Rutschman. We're never going. I hope they can somehow do both of these things. But in the meantime, while you have these pieces, maximize. Yeah, it. it's kind of malpractice not to yeah. maximize your window. Go after it. Make a run. 
Like, go try to do this. Go try to win a World Series. It was what I appreciated about David Rubenstein's statement was that he used the term World Series. Mm -hmm. Like, let's talk. We want to win a World Series. We want to give ourselves the best chance. Now, I would say that you could probably still use a little bit more this year if you're really trying to maximize now with Corbin Burns only in a one-year window. Um, but but this at least is a hell of a, a start. <laughs> and if some of these other pieces continue, if Jackson Holiday gets here and is good on day one as you think he's capable of being, there could still be internal fortification that could benefit this team towards taking that step towards winning a World Series. We talked last night that they could probably still use one more bullpen arm yep. um, in order to fortify this because you're asking an awful lot now, Craig Kimbrell. And even if we all make the assumption that we are that the this- guy we keep forgetting about, and I'm not saying you've forgotten about him or I have, but is that if Dylan Tate is back to being even just 85 sure. percent of what he was two years ago. That that might be that arm. It might be yeah. right, but there's a. I, I feel like you could use one more yeah. confident. We truly believe that there is a piece here that you can count on in a seventh, eighth inning, and then yep. you know on whatever days Craig Kimbrell isn't going to close that you can step in and have him close in those situations. And again, I think most of us are working under the assumption now that Tyler Wells will move into a. I think he's going to be that that guy. I think he's got the chance to be the second banana out there in in the. In the pecking order, I don't think it's automatically like, oh, Yenier Cano was terrific last year. I think, I think the, the reality of what Yenier Cano was still very good, mm-hmm. much more than we thought two years ago. But not, but, but not, not at that class at being. Oh, well, Batista's down. We got Cano. You know, right? It's, correct. It, I would say that. I think this, the part that's still interesting to me, and it was presented to me by uh, someone whose opinion I trust last night, was as much as it's easy for us to say this solidifies Tyler Wells as having the back end of the bullpen role, the question is, do the Orioles feel inclined to say, well, we'll let you go compete. We'll let you have a shot to prove that you're a better option as the fifth starter mm-hmm. than Dean Kramer is going into this season. And I don't, I, I don't know enough about that relationship and I I couldn't speak to what the Orioles feel like they might owe to Tyler Wells based on how well he pitched a season ago I I I can't speak to that and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out but I do think that most of us are of the belief that the better role is Dean Kramer in the fifth starter spot and Tyler Tyler Wells Wells into the back end of the bullpen I think that's That's what I think but most of us and yep. an injury could also affect that, too. You know, Of course. Yeah. 100% an injury could affect that. Um, but it's all it's Corbin Burns, man. <laughs> like Corbin Burns is a Baltimore Oriole, yep. even if it's just for one year. I like the sound of that. It's Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns is an I – I just keep saying it to myself. Yeah. This is real. This is a thing. Did your wife – like awaken you last night you didn't say yeah right you keep not, saying corbin yeah, right. burns is an Oreo. right <laughs> well you need to settle down man what are you <laughs> doing i like i stan i keep coming back to i had a conversation last night with a buddy of mine and i said i'm trying to remember in my lifetime like the top three times i've been most excited about the acquisition of a player by the baltimore orioles and most recently to me was when dan duquette acquired andrew miller 
I was so over the moon yeah. that we really have a chance to to win this thing. I you know? I liked it obviously. Yeah. I really liked, but it was at the same year that I really badly wanted them to get John Lester, and they didn't right. get John Lester, and it was like. I, I remember I really did like the move. Like, I thought it was a very good move, but I was almost like, yeah, but I really wish it had been this. And I I, I just never understood, and again, not to poke the, the bear, I don't, never understood the concept, what Peter was thinking of, yeah, we'll get him, okay, we didn't win the World Series, well, let's move along from him. Right. Oh, yeah, I mean, that. I mean, God, even if they had just done what the, ultimately the Indians did, which was sign him and then trade him right. a year later, you know. Yeah, we'll think about that offseason for a very long time. Gerardo Parra didn't do it for you? No, believe it or not, that no. didn't get me going. In my lifetime, the one was Roberto Alomar. Like, when, when the Orioles signed Roberto <laughs> Alomar, it was star at the height of his stardom. It was something that you just didn't... Like, no. I, 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 I'm not old enough to have known what it felt like to acquire Frank Robinson. Yeah. I don't know, you know, I, even Reggie Jackson at the time they acquired him, I'm sure was extraordinarily exciting it despite was. the fact that it didn't pan out the way that, you know, you would have yeah. hoped that this, just the notion of acquiring Reggie Jackson had to be extraordinary. That was quickly temp- tempered by the fact that they didn't immediately sign him. Right, correct. And, and then some, they, of course, were offering him exactly what he wanted back in April they were offering that to him in September, but they but, but free agency was yep. its first year, and the Yankees said, "Yeah, well, we're good with another ten million, you know." So I don't know what that feeling was like. I don't know what Frank Robinson was like, but when the Vladimir Orioles Guerrero, that was yeah, no, not that, not Sammy that. Sosa, not remotely, not you even a little it. bit. I remember how like it almost this. I love Buck, but Buck always had this like thing about remembering what somebody was. Like, truly believing he was getting Vladimir Guerrero when Vladimir right, Guerrero right, showed up in right. Baltimore. Like, and well, the this reality is... was a little different. Correct. I mean, it just he just wasn't Vladimir Guerrero at this point. Did he hit a ball that bounced on the ground with the Orioles? I, thought he I, I do believe that. Yeah. <laughs> so he I'll, never, I'll never forget the, uh, the one that, that gets totally forgotten about. There are actually two of them. was when Earl Weaver told Hank Peters, get me that guy and I'll win you know, a championship. It was Earl Williams. African American catcher uh-huh. for yeah. the Atlanta Braves, sure. and the Orioles traded. Uh, I think it was they traded Davey Johnson, Pat Dobson, and Rourke Harrison for him, and he was not quite that good. And then, twenty five, thirty years later, when Larry Lucchino and his group got Glenn Davis, oh. not Chris Davis, yep. Glenn Davis. Yep. And by the time before they got to spring training. I heard the true story, what had happened. You remember he had a spinal accessory nerve yes. issue? Yes. I heard that he was out back of his house before spring training on a trampoline that he put in for him and his kids. And he landed funny, and that was what did him then. Well, at least we never had to think about that trade ever yeah. again. At least that's never come up yeah, again. We only gave up Finley Harnish and Kurt Schilling. <laughs> at, least that. that's, at least that's not the case. Uh, real quick, because I, uh, splits last year for Corbin Burns against the American League. This is a conversation Stan and I were having before the show. Four and one, three seven eight ERA. So not as dominant as he was against the National League, but you know, still good. Yeah. Um, and I believe I, I I'll try to pull you up. Just remember the neighborhood you pitch in is who you're the yep. division you're in. Yep. So he was he was against the Cubs. 
who haven't been very good the last couple of years, the Pirates. Uh, you know. In his career against the American League. Yep. 12 and 2, 256 okay, ERA. That's pretty good that's stuff. That's startling. That's pretty like, good. Stuff. That's, and it's almost a season's worth of. Nah, it's 23 yeah. starts. 23 okay. starts in his career. Um, according to Stat Muse, 151 innings, 2.56. And ERA. some of that could be because of the lack of familiarity with the hitters had with sure, him. Sure, yeah. sure, sure, 100%. Yeah. All right, Stan the Fan Charles is in with us on a Friday edition of the program. Don't forget, Goose Flights is now available. Goose Flights Lager all over town in Cannes at Alonzo's, as well as now also at the Green Turtle Sportsbook in Canton. Uh, you can also get cans and six-packs at Guilford Hall Brewery and Station North or the Costas Inn in Dundalk. Cans are available at any of your neighborhood Royal, or sorry, not Royal Farms, Glory Days Grills. I don't think they can sell them there. I don't think that's an option. <laughs> and any of your neighborhood Glory Days Grills in the state of Maryland. And the wine. The wine source in Hamden has cases, both cases, right? Cases and six packs. Oh, they do have sixes there. Okay. So every can sold, 198 of that can goes to the Goose Flights Foundation, which Tony Saragusa's family launched in order to continue his legacy and provide non emergency medical transport to those in need. It's a mouthful. So if you want to go see where it's all located, Pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights is how you can find out more. It's an awesome can, it's an awesome beer, and it's going to an awesome cause. So go get your goose flights. It's today. nice that he wore number ninety eight, not like fifty one. Yeah, it wouldn't be you as know, much, wouldn't, right? Wouldn't yeah, it wouldn't much. be as significant what we were donating. I think there's a conspiracy there. I I just kind of like the Taylor Swift <laughs> yeah, thing, think, you know. You think that that's yeah. what's, we'll get into that later. Joining us now to get uh, his thoughts on what's uh, been a monumental day, a monumental week for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, always a pleasure to catch up with one of the best in the business. He is the great Ben McDonald, and he is back with us here on GCR. Ben, it's Glenn and Stan the Fan Charles. It's always great to catch up with you, brother. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yeah, man, my pleasure. Always good to chat with you guys and, and especially chat about some some wonderful news. Shoot. And so uh, – Look, man, I was already getting excited about spring training ready to roll, and this just kind of puts the uh, puts the icing on the cake. So I, I know uh, all of Baltimore, the fan base, has got to be excited about it. And, uh, you know, and look, you hate to lose Joey Ortiz, and you hate to lose D.L. Hall. I love D.L. Hall. I, I think he's a big leaguer. I, I think he's going to have a, a wonderful career. But as you guys know, and as we all know, sometimes to get what you want, you got to give up a few things. And, of course, Mike Elias has built this, this wonderful minor league system, number one in baseball. There's a lot of extra players down there. And it's what we thought was and hoped was going to happen. You know, it didn't seem like it was going to happen. I'll be honest. I mean, the talk was a lot of talk going on when the season ended. And then all of a sudden it's been pretty quiet, you know, but it's been a quiet overall off season as far as the free agents go. But uh, man, I think the Orioles finally got their guy. So I'm excited about it. Ben, I'm just curious what you think the internal feeling is on the rest of the roster right now i mean were there guys texting each other like holy shit we just got corbin <laughs> burns you know um it, what does it mean in that locker room well i i i think yeah no doubt there's players texting each other no doubt because i remember in my playing days you know when we would pick up a player or lose a player or something would happen there's always some texting and communication in the offseason obviously during the season you see each other every day so it's not that big yeah. of a deal but I, I think so you know I mean from an from an offensive standpoint I mean if you're an offensive player and you pick up a real ace and that's what Corbin Burns is he's a real number one kind of dude 
I think it gives you confidence to know that, hey, if we just put a few runs on the scoreboard when this guy pitches, you know, every fifth day, we got a real shot of winning, you know. And so I think there – now, the downside is that there are some guys out there that, that wanted to be in the starting rotation, you know. I mean, Tyra Wells wants to be a starter. There's no doubt about that. I think he'll accept whatever role he goes in this year. But Tyra Wells wants to be a starter. So for guys like him, maybe for him he's excited about the club and he's excited about the the – prospects of winning you know winning the east again and getting to the playoffs again be able to make a deep run i think you know he wanted to be a starter and so for him uh i'm not gonna say it's disappointment but i think his role is more challenging now as far as what his role we're going to be you know is he going to be a swing man is he going to be a six starter we don't know what he's going to be yet but i think it's more or less it's going to be uh excitement throughout you know, the roster, there's no doubt about that. I, I want to come back to Tyler Wells in a second, Ben, because I do think that's fascinating. But, let, I mean, this is Corbin Burns that we're talking about. I, I Stan and I were talking last night. I, I think this is the best pitcher the Orioles have had since Mike Messina. No offense to you, Ben. Um, I, I, I genuinely believe that this is the guy. All of the numbers indicate that this is the guy. Um, it's it's not even that he hasn't – he's been good against the American League during the course of his career – I don't think we can be effusive enough in how much Corbin Burns checks the box of a legitimate ace top-of-the-staff pitcher. No doubt. I mean, look, he checks all the boxes. I mean, first what you had to replace this year, when you lose Kyle Gibson, you lost a lot of innings, right? I mean, Kyle Gibson, uh, while it was some ups and downs in there, but overall it was a really good year for him. He had some quality starts, and, and he chewed up a lot of innings. Well, Corbin Burns, as we know, is an innings eater, right? I mean, he's averaged right at about – 200 innings pitched the last two years. Uh, he's been very durable for the most part in his career. Doesn't miss many starts at all. Takes the ball every fifth day. So that checks that box. But more importantly, you got a real, as you mentioned, a real number one guy. This is not a front of the rotation kind of guy. People talk about a two or three. This is a number one. And Cy Young Award winner, three-time All-Star, ERA title, and he's pitched against the other people's best. Every fifth day, it's been open day starters on all those things, you know. And so, yeah, this look. I mean, when you look at the top three in this rotation now, I mean, when you talk about Burns and you roll in Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, of course, you know, uh, John Means, Dean Kramer, Tyler Wells, uh, Irving, if you need him, uh, it, it sets up really well because as we know in today's game, it's very rare that you get you take five guys and they start the year in the rotation, they end the year in the rotation. It's just not where we are now with the injuries and stuff. So you got to have a little bit of depth. This gives you a little more depth. The question mark now is, okay, what do you do in the bullpen? Uh, and I felt like D.L. Hall was going to be a big part of this Oriole bullpen. I never had D.L. Hall penciled in as a starter, guys, to be honest with you. He may, he may fool me and go over to the Brewers and end up being a starter, but I just never felt like he threw enough strikes for me uh, consistently uh, to be a starter. So I thought he was going to be a big part of this Oriole bullpen. So are the moves finished? Are the Orioles potentially going to go get a free agent reliever to take DL spot? Or is the trade possible to get another, you know, towards the back end guy uh, in, in, uh, in that bullpen? Ben, uh, one player, we, we, we just talked about him about 10 minutes ago, but that has kind of gotten forgotten in the shuffle here is Dylan Tate. Uh, Brandon Hyde said at the at the uh, fan event last week that he he saw him down in Sarasota. He's feeling great. What does he mean to get him back in there? Uh, I, you look, I, and, I, and I said I, I'm agreement with you on that. I, I think the biggest piece now that you've got Kimbrel, 
the biggest piece of this bullpen now is can Dylan Tate return to the form that he had in 22. In yep. 22, we forget how good he was in 22. And if he can return to the back end of that bullpen and play a setup type role or even potentially close from time to time when needed, I think that's going to be a huge for the Orioles to have that kind of – because when Dylan Tate gets the changeup going – with that sink and fastball, he can get left-handers out as well as he can get the right-handers out as well, you know. And so, for me, going into spring training, that was the key for me for this bullpen before this trade happened was could Dylan Tate elevate his game and get back to where he was in 22? And I'm in agreement with you on that. I think he is the biggest part of this bullpen. Now, all indications are he did not need surgery or not want him to well, we rehab it and see if it works. If it don't work, well, we've got to have surgery. There was no structural damage. He had that flexor tendon issue, which I had many, many years ago. And sometimes it can take a while to get over that. And I, we know he cranked it up a couple times last year and just couldn't get it, couldn't get it right again. Uh, so all indications are he is healthy, he's ready to go, and going to be a big part of the bullpen for the Orioles this year. Hey, Ben, just one more question about D.L. Hall. I, too, liked him a lot, but I always saw him as kind of a modern-day Arthur Rhodes uh, which is a really pretty damn good and important pitcher. Do you think Milwaukee is going to go down that road of saying, well, we got to see if he can start for us and waste a, a year and a half or, or something on, on doing that? Um, I mean, the article I read was Milwaukee's intentions were to give D.L. Hall an opportunity to start. Yeah, that's, that's what and, I mean. And look, if you talk to him, that's what he wants to do, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, look, all these guys grew up starters in high school, and if you went to college, you were a starter. And in the minor leagues, we know all these guys were starters, too. <clears throat> these guys want to be starters. I mean, look, the, the starting life, and in my opinion, is better than a reliever. And, of course, you know, the inside of that is starters typically make more money than what relievers make. And so they all want to be starters. That's what they want to be. And D.L. Hall wants to be a starter. And I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying – He's got to find a way to be a little more consistent. But if you told me, hey, 10 years from now, D.L. Hall was still pitching in the big leagues as a reliever, I would buy that. Like, I really think, as you mentioned, Mm. he could be an Arthur Rhodes-type guy that you can come in and get some lefties out, he can get some righties out. The stuff is real. There's no doubt about that. And we've seen younger guys kind of find their way. I'll I'll take you back to Randy Johnson. I'll take you back to Nolan Ryan. Uh, I'll take you back to some guys that, that were hard throwers that really struggled the first four or five years of their career trying to find the strike zone, and all of a sudden, you know, Jamie Moyer wasn't a hard thrower, but my gosh, look at the first five number years versus the last whatever it was, <laughs> 20 it felt like. I mean, he figured it out, right? D.L. Hall could be one of those guys that does figure it out and ends up being a starter, but right now, I think he's a difference maker at the back end of a bullpen right now. Let, let me come back to Ben McDonald with us here on GCR. Let me come back to Tyler Wells for a second because, Ben, I think a lot of people last night saw that and said, well, this this you know solidifies Tyler Wells in the bullpen role. I, I, I get it. I, if I'm Tyler Wells, it's not what I'm necessarily looking forward to. And, you know, he pitched so well as a starter for a good bulk of the season last year that – I think there are some people we've you know we talked to John Smoltz a lot who's enamored and effusive about what he believes Tyler Wells can be as a starting pitcher. But looking at what the Orioles have, if we assume Dean Kramer's the fifth starter, it is the best thing right now for the Orioles to have Tyler Wells move towards maybe even the back end of the bullpen. I think so. I, I mean. I have those five you mentioned as a starter right now, and Tyler Wells is the sixth man or the swing man, whichever way you want to say it. He has shown the ability 
uh, the last three years to pitch well out of the bullpen and pitch well as a starter. And, you know, everybody forgets this, but, but let's not forget, Tyler Wells in 22 and in 23, the first half of both of those seasons, he was the best starter the Orioles had in 22 and 23 up to the All-Star break. There's no denying that he was that good. His whip was one of the best in baseball. What I love about Tyler Wells is he is a strike thrower, right? And that's why I love him at the back end of a bullpen because your back end bullpen guys can't give up free bases except when you want to pitch around a guy and walk him. Tyler Wells does not walk guys a lot like Corbin Burns. The whip is very, very good. And so that's what I love about Tyler Wells when he's a starter and when he's a reliever. You know, my my guess is they will build him up in spring training. My guess is if somebody goes down, he'll be the first man inserted into that rotation. But the way I'm looking at it right now, unless somebody really pitches bad or gets hurt in spring training, I think Tyler Wells is going to be in that bullpen, and I think he'll do a wonderful job in a setup role, potential can close at times as well, can get lefties and righties out, so he can be a big, big, valuable piece. The caveat to that is we know Tyler Wells, you know, the body just didn't hold up the last two years. You know, Mm -hmm. and that's the concern for me for him was, okay, can you go out and give us 30 starts? Can you go out and give us 160 innings pitched or not? Tyler's never been able to get there before, so we don't know. But I know he worked extremely hard this offseason, harder than he ever has. I've, I've texted him a few times and checked on him a few times. He wants to be that starter. He's going to be ready to be a starter when he gets to spring training. He says his body's in the best shape of his life right now. So we'll see what transpires. Ben, if I could, too, there, there is a nature of this that there's a little bit of pressure that comes. You're acquiring Corbin Burns, but he's got one year remaining on his deal, and he's a Scott Boris client, so it's going to be tough in order to try to do an extension before he hits the open market. The, the response is, but we believe the Orioles are built – to have a chance to maybe win a World Series right now. Do you believe that this team, plus Corbin Burns, genuinely is a team that can win the World Series? I, look, I think so. I, I mean, after what the Rangers did last year, I don't think anybody gave the Rangers a chance, right, going into it, and, and all of a sudden they were terrible on the road, below 500, and yet they go into Toronto, they come into Baltimore, uh, and they do their thing, and they end up winning the World Series. I think this team – now. Health's going to play a big role in this, and let's not forget. I mean, the Orioles the last two years, I know we've lost some guys. Obviously, we lost Bautista. We lost John Means a couple years ago. But overall, the Orioles have been one of the healthiest teams in baseball the last two or three years, and that's going to have to play a big role again this year is the Orioles, while they have some depth, it's not a ton of depth, especially in the pitching department. You know, So staying healthy is going to be a big part of this. But, you know, I go back and look at last year. Cedric Mullins, because of his injuries, didn't have the typical Cedric Mullins year. I expect if he stays healthy, his year is much better. I think you could say the same for Mountcastle. While he went on some serious spurts and was an incredible hitter, uh, I think we expected more, but we know the injuries for him and, and some other things that happened kept him from having the kind of year he wanted to. I expect better years out of those guys for sure. I think Gunnar Henderson takes a step forward this year. I think Westberg takes a step forward this year. Uh, I think Rutschman was outstanding, but he'll be really good. Austin Hayes will be really good again. So uh, Santander had another really good year. So to answer your question, I think this is a top six or seven offense, again, in Major League Baseball with a much improved pitching staff and a year older and with some playoff experience. So, you know, we talk about the AL East, and we know about it. We get blue in the face talking about, you know, uh, how tough it is with the Blue Jays and the Yankees and, of course, the Red Sox and the Rays and 
it's just a difficult division overall. There's no doubt about that. But I feel really good about where the Orioles are right now. They're pretty healthy overall other than the Bautista. And I think this is going to be a good year. We'll have to wait and see because, let's be honest, a lot of things went the Orioles' way last year. They found a way to win a lot of one-run games last year. They found a way to come from behind a million times last year. They led Major League Baseball hitting at runners in scoring position last year, which was a big part of, of their offense last year. And they stayed healthy for the most part. So a lot's got to go your way, obviously, to, to be there and win the last game of the year. But I think this is a team that is hungry. It's hungry to prove to everybody. Last year, you go back, it was a validation year. Because everybody said all the Orioles won 83 games two years ago, and they're going to back up win seven. I felt like in spring training, there was a vibe to say, hey, we are this good. Well, they surprised everybody they won 101 games. But the way the season ended, I think, put a bad taste out of the players' mouth. And they're saying, hey, we want to get back. We want to prove to everybody that we can make a deep playoff run. So I'm excited about the year. I think all the pieces are in line. And, and the Orioles may not be done just yet. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw another reliever potentially added to the mix somewhere. Big the sounds of it. Big question, though, Ben. Do you think the broadcasting is going to be up to the level that it needs to be to, you know? <laughs> well, I would tell you this. There were times four or five years ago we went to the ballpark going, all right, we're going to get beat tonight. Yeah. The question is how bad we're going to get beat. I remember those days, right? Well, yeah. now I go to the ballpark every day going, all right, whose ass are we going to whoop today? That's you know, it. that's the way I feel about it. And I think the players like that, too. And, and I tell everybody, and you know, everybody says, oh, you guys were so good last year. And I was like, it wasn't because we were good. This team was good. And, uh, you know, we feed off the energy of these players. And when they win, the crowd started to come back last year. And it makes our job, to be honest with you guys, a heck of a lot easier when we have a quality club and a quality product on the field. And so our job became a lot easier the last couple of years, no doubt. And it's a lot of fun watching, and we look forward to seeing you guys again real soon. At Real Ben McDonald on Twitter is how you follow. And, Ben, always appreciate you, man. Thanks for hopping on with see us. See in Sarasota, Ben. I'll see, see y'all in spring training soon. Thanks, see you brother. soon. Ben McDonald with us here on GCR. When we come back in, um, we're going to find out more about David Rubenstein, the man who broke the news this week. John Aran from uh, uh, now Puck News is where you find John. Will join us next. Stan the Fan is here. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Okay. It will be Glenn Clark Radio. That's a promise. We, uh, we, we planned this out, nailed it in uh, rehearsals. Really, got to tell you, I wish you would have seen the dress rehearsal for today's show. It was impeccable. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. 
fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria. A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual best of issue. On the cover, we celebrate Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and the Orioles as our Team of the Year. With Stan the Fan Charles and Glenn Clark sitting down with Hyde to discuss his role in creating the culture that defined the Orioles' magic season. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2023. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Terps, and O's at PressBoxOnline.com. Hey, Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. Contrary to what some people believe, I actually like this guy when he sleeps. Glenn Clark, talking sports. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along a Friday edition of the program. Griffin, don't forget to uh, confirm the pronunciation, please. Thank you. Appreciate that. Something I should have said off the air, but it is what it is. That's the way we do things sometimes. Stan, uh, you ended up doing like 100 shows this week. This has been an awfully busy week for Stan. The yeah, we did the... Uh Ross Grimsley was back from the Orioles uh, cruise, the baseball cruise, and he and Luke and I got together on Monday. Eric Garfield and I got together yesterday at about 3.30. We got that up on the uh, on the video board uh, on PressBoxOnline.com talking about the 23 draft, yep. kind of digging into that. And then you, uh, you and I and Luke got together. That's great grammar, isn't it? You and I and that Luke. counts, right? The three of us got together. Uh, a couple That's times right. yesterday. Yeah. We yeah. got together and did a couple of shows. So you can yeah. find all of those at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. And the stand, the Fan Variety Hour is, is always brought to you by... Uh, Superbook Sports, A.J. Michaels, uh, Heating and Air Conditioning, and the Costasin. Love that. Where you can get Goose Flights Sure locker. can. Sure can. All right, uh, it has been quite the monumental week for the Baltimore Orioles, and it all started Tuesday night with a report from our next guest from his new home. Joining us, he's now with Puck News, the man who broke the story of the Orioles being sold to David Rubenstein. He is John Orand, and he's with us now here on GCR. John, it's Glenn and Stan Charles here in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. I know it's been a very busy week for you. Thank you for taking the time for us. Happy to be here, man. Um, John, I, I, you know, I know you, you know, you've told your personal side of the story. It's, it's, it's kind of wild that this ends up being a story that you break. Right. But can, can you kind of take me through w- w- when did you start 
to know, hey, something's here. Did it all come together on Tuesday, or was this building for a couple of days that there there was something happening and you were on top of it? Uh, you know, it, it's funny. My, this was my first week at Puck News. I, I worked at a Sports Business Journal for yep. about 18 years, and I took four weeks off of vacation, and I tried to uh, not, uh, not plug in. And on Monday, my very first day at Puck, I, uh, uh, Monday afternoon, I had a source call me and say, hey, I, there's some smoke over here. And I spent all of Monday uh, afternoon trying to chase this and ran into a ton of dead ends. And then finally on uh, Tuesday morning, I, I ended up uh, get, getting some confirmation on it and, uh, and uh, ended up writing the story. And, and it broke on, on Tuesday, which I think was a, uh, a few days, maybe a week or so before the uh, the, the team and the, the league actually wanted to get that out. So it was a, a, a pretty pretty pleased with that. John in Baltimore, we we've heard a couple varying stories that Mrs. Angelos was the driving force that that pushed this to happen. Now I've also heard stories that the Orioles cash situation uh, because I don't I don't think it's addressed enough by local media here. They like to use the word miserly about John Angelos. He didn't have dad's checkbook. So was was some of this driven by an urgency around cash needed to really run the club properly? Uh, I haven't. I didn't actually get that sense. Uh, I'm not too well versed uh, within that. I was I was much, much more involved with uh, the actual deal terms uh-huh. and, and how that came out. But I, I can tell you that if, if you just look at John Angelos' own words, uh, you know, during uh, when was it last August? During the uh, the uh, interview that he gave to the New York Times, he, he talked talked about how he wasn't going to afford to re-sign some of these uh, great great young players uh, in in a couple of years. And so that does speak to some of the uh, some of the um, cash issues that they have, especially when you look at what the Dodgers are doing and what the Yankees historically have always done, and and in, in terms of uh, paying players. John Orand is with us from Puck News here on GCR. John, how much do we know about David? I, there, there is a sense within Baltimore, as I'm sure you, again, said you've acknowledged that you you grew up, you rooted for the Orioles. I'm sure you feel a lot of what Orioles fans have felt in the last 24 hours, which is, boy, you know, David Rubenstein shows up, and two days later they go out and they acquire Corbin Burns. Like, it really is a brand-new day. It, is this maybe the declaration that David Rubenstein intends to not just try to be here to maximize profits, and yet, like he might really want to be the owner of a baseball team that goes out and wins and tries to compete and prioritizes that. Yeah, I'm I'm a DC native, and I grew up without a team, so the Orioles have have always been my team. It's a, the, the, I have a feeling as a fan of not the not the elation that I'm seeing uh, through my social feeds and and from friends that live in and around in Baltimore, it's more of a, of a hope. Uh, and, and it's, yeah. you know, uh, at the end of the day, it's like, this is a venture capital, uh, uh, an executive that made his money from venture capital. And so I'm hopeful that he invests that in the team. Speaking as a fan now, I'm hopeful that he invested in the team. I hope that he invested in players and upgrade grades around, uh, around Camden Yards. My fear is that venture capital is rarely uh, something that comes in they want profits. They don't necessarily make uh, make huge investments. Uh, I I think that this is a lifelong Orioles fan. He's you know a, a little bit older, uh, and, and this is a passion project. So so I, I, if I was to make a bet, I think he's going to want to really invest in the team and try to. Try 
try to win uh, and create what they uh, created down in Houston. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by the involvement of uh, Michael Bloomberg, who I would like to think is probably a lifelong, even though his identification with Hopkins and spending time here, he's got to be a lifelong Yankee fan, I would think. You would think. Uh, uh, do you think this is just window dressing that he's part of this, or might he, might he really loan some real revenue in here or capital uh, into this venture? By the way, if I can brag for a second, one of the best parts about breaking this story, knowing that Bloomberg was in the um, uh, one of the owners, and he has Bloomberg News as well. So I, That's a great I, point. I love putting that up. There. You literally you did one up. The I'm actual, glad I asked the question. The actual <laughs> owner of the team. Right, yeah. That's not bad. Can I pat myself on the back? Yes, yes, right. yes. yes. Uh, I, look, it's never a bad idea to have a, another billionaire um, uh, getting involved with the team uh, and, and – uh, I, I don't think I don't think you can look at them to really fund a ton, but it's a, it's it's never a, a bad idea. What I'm most excited about, uh, speaking again as, as a fan here, is uh, Cal Ripken's involvement. I just think you know that is something that um, you're you're seeing as a trend really across sports, where you get uh, some local celebrities and uh, who who is more identified with the Orioles uh, t- today than Cal Ripken, and getting him almost as an ambassador to help bring people back to Camden Yards and to, and to help sort of get, get excitement going around, around the team, uh, you know, beyond uh, the players on the field is something that I think is going to really work. And I think, you know, you're seeing it. I, I know Matthew Johnson is not from D.C., but you're seeing it with the commanders. Like he's part of the the, uh, the ownership group there, and, and he's been very vocal about the team and, and, and uh, the, the way forward with it. And I think that's what we can expect with uh, Cal Ripken. John, do we know anything yet about, you know, it, you, you mentioned originally we, we had to figure out what the Masson side of this was. There's been some reporting since then that perhaps Masson could still be sold and Ted Leonsis could be involved with that. Like, do we have a feel for the Masson side of this transaction? Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. I, I don't have uh, stark answers for you. Uh, what, what I can tell you is that uh, you have a bunch of billionaires that committed uh, 1.7 billion dollars for this team. I, it's unfathomable to me to think that they would have uh, committed that much money to buy a team without some sort of resolution about Masson. What that resolution is, I don't know, but I, I would expect that that uh, uh, you'll see some sort of resolution with that, and then you'll see the Nationals sold uh, well probably within the year. I would think. John, I've got one one other question to this. I don't. I'm not sure you you were aware of John's efforts to negotiate into the lease deal this this um, area around the ballpark to redevelop to to make it like Battery Park uh, in Atlanta. But I'm wondering what you think with the connections that a David Rubenstein and a Michael Bloomberg and Kurt Schmoke have is. Do you see this, or is it worth looking into for you uh, about that? If they have a vision for what can be done to enlarge the footprint of of the baseball entity in Baltimore, downtown Baltimore. Yeah. Again, if you take a look at the trends uh, throughout sports, uh, that's where it's headed to yeah. create what you described in, in Atlanta. Uh, here in DC, uh, uh, Ted Leonsis is uh, taking the. Um, wizards and capitals outside of the city into Virginia so he can create that same sort of entertainment area around, around a new stadium there as well. Um, 
Mark Cuban sold part of the, uh, the sold his stake in the, the Dallas Mavericks. And what he said on Twitter was like the, the way for teams to grow is no longer from media revenue, which is the way they've grown for the last two decades. It's from real estate and entertainment. And that's where mm-hmm. he's not, he doesn't have a, a lot of a, uh, interest in that or, or, or knowledge about, about how to grow there. So you can take a look at Camden Yards and, and, the, uh, and that that's, I would think that would be something that they would look in order to make make back some of their $1.7 billion. Uh, John Oran, first of all, congratulations. Yep. I, I think that goes without – it's a hell of a way to start the new gig, obviously, and um, a really cool thing for you. But um, I've always enjoyed your work, and I guess let me give you a, sec- a second to plug what it is that you're going to be doing at Puck News now. Puck News, I'm uh, going to be doing pretty much the same thing. The, the Puck News is in Hollywood. It's in uh, D.C., uh, and they're trying to start a sports business. And so I will be covering the business of sports uh, with a heavy focus on media, because that's what I did at Sports Business Journal. And so getting a, getting this Oriole one, uh, being being a lifelong fan of the team, that was uh, that I, I couldn't have scripted this any better. Yeah. I so, love the, uh, the, the the Blumberg scoop. Yeah, literally beat, <laughs> beat the guy. <laughs> beat the you gotta guy. Beat, if man. you want to beat the man, you, you got to beat, beat the man. man that's who beats exactly man. right. Uh, Oren, yeah, I, o- I had to take the victory lap on that. I appreciate don't, you letting me do that. Don't blame me even a little bit, John. Oran, O-U-R-A-N-D underscore puck is how you follow him on Twitter. John Oran, really appreciate you spending a couple of minutes with us. Thanks so much for doing this, man. You, you got it. Thanks for having me. John Oran with us from Puck News who broke the story earlier this week. That is kind of. That's great. That's great. And I don't blame him for wanting to to, to now, pat himself on the back. I see this as a big part of the deal. You know this. So, real you know, estate. I, it's so funny. I just brought. I, I just looked at this. You know, Michael Bloomberg was from actually from Boston. Uh, I did not know that. I didn't, but, yeah, I didn't know that. I did not know. I, did not know but that. I didn't think he was from Baltimore. But he's no, right. We knew that he had gone to Hopkins. Identif- right. Identified with Hopkins. You know. Um. Yes. We and I. You and I talked about this yesterday, Stan. That. The the interesting part about this is unlike when and again I'm not trying to to, to go after John Angelos but he was asking for it to be given to him. Yep. There is perhaps an opportunity for within the vision of this group to say if it requires us purchasing, yeah, to invest public private partnership or putting a these guys put huge deals together for lunch, hundred you know, percent every day. So exactly what that is, where that is, we still the, the geography of that is still kind of difficult to figure out exactly what that is. We got to go down there one day and just and, and just walk map around it like and you walk and I, around. I'm telling you, the the vein is that 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 portion from the Hippodrome Theater to the ballpark. So you brought that up with me, and I think I think the difficult part about that is there's there are legitimately mom and pop businesses in yeah. there. And that's the part that the city will would be very negative towards. Right. It's the really the tricky part about it because to your point, I think you're right that that side of the ballpark is probably where yeah. it would have to be. But sliders and pickles and you know, I, I actually know what's moving into the old Frank and Nick's. I don't know if that's been announced yet or not, so I'm not going to say what it is. But those um, buildings from the Hippodrome down Utah Street, there's a ton of them that are vacant. That, That's that, true. That yep. could be turned into lofts where people are living, bars and restaurants. I mean, you know. I wonder if the city would be willing to consider selling the hotel to the Orioles. I wonder if that's something that... I, I would certainly think that that's 
possible. Right? Like, yeah. Like, you, you create a good relationship, and yeah. then you could revamp the hotel yeah. in some way that it's not just an eyesore hotel, right. that it's that a it's hotel of, yeah. and, you know, other things. I, I, I don't... Yeah. I feel like I remember there being... It wasn't the the big boom to the city that they thought that it was going to be one day after the show we, we should we just go wan- there, wander yeah, down wander and there we there take and around walk, we'll do a video and, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll look at what the options might yeah. be i i i wonder if that's part of this is that they come in and say look we, it's no longer about you giving us the li-. we'd still like that yeah even even billionaires like yeah. being gifted things but if if we see what it needs that or if they want the parking lot space, they say, let's go look on the other side of the football stadium and see if we can't recreate the parking space. Yeah. If if this is where we think it needs to be, can we replicate the parking that is needed elsewhere? And that wouldn't be as popular because it would mean the parking is further away from the baseball stadium. Right. But, you know, you, you got to yeah. consider all of these options. Well, we talk about it a lot and we don't really go and – and put our no, I'm, eyeballs I'm, on I'm it. with it. Yeah. We can go down there and do that. I'm, I'm not opposed to it whatsoever. Or we could do it before a show, like um, 6.30 in the morning. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I think after the show is exactly when I think it's the perfect timing for that. Is there an upcoming event at the arena or something that we could go to? The CIAA. There, you know what? And I do want to go to the CIAA this year. So maybe this will work out perfectly, yeah. that we, uh, we, we do that, and then we go watch some basketball afterwards. We do that. We Look do that. that. Look at that. Winding down for our number one of the program. Mike Lombardi is going to join us in a minute. Stan, I know when you bet, you always use Superbook. I know that's... No question about it. It's uh, the same... My season's coming. Oh? Baseball season. Oh, this is, yeah, this is when you make your nut, right? I, I understand that. I, of course, am always a, a Superbook man myself. You go to Superbook.com. You download the Superbook app. You use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up. You'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. Stan, do you want to take a look at the updated odds for the Orioles after the acquisition of Corbin Burns? Uh, do you have them in front I of you? I have them in front of me. On SuperbookSports.com? Yes, yes okay. I have Superbook's updated odds. I'm going to go uh, category by category real okay. quick, and I'll let Griffin get guesses in as well. Uh, Corbin, uh, One of the futures that you can bet at Superbook is the pitcher that finishes the regular season in all of baseball with the most wins. How many down the list do you think Corbin, like where on the list num- by number do you think Corbin Burns is and what are his odds? I would think he's number three or four. Wow. Uh, I was going to say 20 to one and maybe like seventh, eighth. So you both, you both got half of it right. Okay. 20 to 1 are the odds. Boom. And he's fourth. Oh, he's wow. Fourth. Okay. He's fourth. Who's one? Who's Garrett, Cole? one? Garrett Cole, Spencer Strider, Max Freed are the top three, 14, 16, and 18 to wow. 1. Then Burns is actually tied with uh, Yamamoto okay. uh, with 20 to 1 odds as being uh, fourth on the list. To win the American League pennant. Again, where are the Orioles on the list and what are the odds? The entirety of winning the whole, the winning not just the, the AL East, no, the, the American pennant, League. The American League pennant. You can bet that I right now. I would say they Bowl. are, I would say they're still third behind Texas and Houston. Okay. At, at uh, five to one. Okay. I was also going to say third. And uh, I don't know, six to one. They are 475 to one. Mm. Wait. Yeah, four, plus, four plus point seven five. Okay, okay. Four, right. yeah, like pl- four, right, like got close got to five. Plus four seventy five is okay. what they are. Okay, tied for first. 
With Houston? And the Yankees. And the Yankees. The, Hughes, the Astros, the Yankees, the Orioles, all plus 475. The Rangers, 6-1. to one. And then to win the World Series... I would say we're definitely in in third or fourth range. At guess the odds. Uh, twelve to one. Twelve to one. Griffin, guess the odds. Uh, Griffin says we're fifth, and guess now uh, he's got to talk to Mike Lombardi. Right. Um, Maybe we can get Mike's guess. Yeah. Right. Well, he is a, a gambling man, obviously, out in Vegas with Veasan. Tied for third with the Yankees and the Astros, yep. much like in the American League. Ten to one. Ten to one to win the World Series. Ten to series. one to win the World Series. So if any of those numbers, what are the Dodgers? I'm just the curious. Dodgers are the favorite at uh, uh, plus three fifty. Okay, plus three fifty as the favorite. But the Orioles now tied with the Astros and the Yankees, ten to one to win the World Series. What's the over under? Do they have the win totals out yet? Not at SuperBook. Not I'm at sure Superbook. there's somewhere that yeah. they find it, but SuperBook does not. I wonder if the Dakota not... numbers. You know, yeah. in fairness to them, there's so many significant free agents out there. You Correct. Know, still, right? I There's mean, still. Co- that's a great Cody point. Cody Bellinger, yep. Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell. Yep, 100%. So you can go uh, bet those right now when you sign up at Superbook. Use the, code, use the code GlennClark23 or StanCharles23 when you sign up, and you'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. All right. Uh, mentioned our next guest. Of course, uh, you know him with VEASAN, among other places in the media world before that. Uh, an outstanding executive in football, a three-time Super Bowl champion, and the author of the new book, Football Done Right, which you see right there and is available wherever you find books, including at Amazon, and we'll link it up. He is Michael Lombardi, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Michael, it's Glenn and Stan the Fan Charles. It's uh, great to chat with you, as always. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. No, thank you. I appreciate it, Glenn. Thank you, Stan. Um, I, you know, I know you're a Veasan guy. Like, I don't know how much you're paying. You, you think it's worth maybe getting in some Orioles future bets for the World Series now after they acquired Corbin Burns? <laughs> I don't know. Enough, I, I don't know enough about baseball. Right. Look, I, I got I, it's barely I could keep my hands full on uh, on on football, let alone baseball. I mean, I admire the guys that do it for a living. You know, that do every single sport. That's just not me. I mean, I I'm pretty much wrapped into football I all the it. time. I get and, uh, you know, and so I just kind of enjoy that. Uh, Michael, before and we're going to talk about the book, obviously, you and I have talked about it before. I really enjoyed it. But I just want to get your 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 thoughts on the demise of the Ravens, if you felt like they panicked and and big picture. Is it the end of the world? Do you feel like there's a likelihood that they can be right back in the same position a year from now and maybe better for it? Well, I mean, I think certainly you can't dismiss them. They've got so good, uh, you know, they got the MVP of the league who plays quarterback. So, you know, I think there's no question that that can always put them back in there. You know, it's going to be the challenge for Zach Orr to duplicate what Mike McDonald did. I think Mike McDonald did an incredible job. We saw in Philadelphia, they lost two coordinators to head coaching positions last year and their, their team wasn't the same when they both left. So Zach Orr, having only coached in the NFL for three years, has got a huge challenge ahead of him to replace a really good coach who, if you watch the defensive scheme, and I think this is what was appealing to John Schneider and the Seattle Seahawks, was their talent level on defense is good, certainly, but he was able to get guys like Van Noy and Clowney off the street. Clowney had nine and a half sacks, 19 quarterback hits. Van Noy had nine sacks, nine quarterback hits. And, you know, they kind of made it all work together. So, 
Zach Orr's got his work cut out for him. And then I think to me, you're right. They panicked. I mean, I don't know why they only ran the ball 16 times. I don't know what they felt like they saw on the tape to want to throw it. Uh, they went unbalanced on one run. They got 15 yards out of Lamar on a quarterback run on fourth down. Then they came back, repeated the play out of a normal formation to the running back, that's to Bradley, and he got 15 yards. And then we never saw that play again. So, yeah, I, I, I think I think that clearly uh, Steve Spagnola had their number offensively, and it seemed to me that they were in a rush to win the game as opposed to just playing the game. Uh, I'm just curious the um, the the players you alluded to, Clowney and Quinn, uh, Queen. Uh, how many do you think the Ravens are going to lose directly to the Seattle Seahawks? Well, I think a lot of it's going to come down to you know what how they how John Schneider wants to build the team, right? And you know, Clowney certainly with nine and a half sacks and 19 quarterback pressures, he played well. I'm not sure he can pass everybody's physical. Because he's kind of had up and down. You know, he was better last mm-hmm. year for Cleveland. Two years ago, he wasn't this guy. But this year, he was really good. He got back to being, wow, he was clowning, you know. Uh, I don't know about Van Noy. What, what, I mean, Van Noy was on the street all, all spring, right. all, all, all summer. And they, see, they took him off the Pat McAfee show. And he did a really good job. And I think somebody would be smart to, to sign him. And a lot of it's going to be with the contract. I think yeah. what, what more of Seattle, Stan, is Seattle looks at the Ravens and say, we have some really good players. McDonald's going to make our players better as opposed to thinking they're just going to raid the Raiders, okay. to raid the Ravens. Michael Lombardi is with us. Again, the book is Football Done Right. We'll talk about it a little bit more in a second. My, Michael, I, just another thought about is there one place where you still think – the funny thing about the Ravens is on paper they didn't really have a lot of holes. Again, I think it's why we're all so puzzled by the game plan. Is there still an area where you think they need to be better to try to overcome the Kansas City Chiefs, or is it just try to stay the course as much as possible, don't get particularly weaker, and have a better strategy if you end up running them into the playoffs again next year? Well, I think they got to get better in the offensive line. I mean, I don't think okay. there's any question about that. I mean, Roddy Stanley's the second-highest-paid player on the team, yeah. and since 2020, he's only played in 31 games. He missed four last year, six the year before, and 16 and 10 in the past two years. I mean, he, you know, they got to get better. They got to get better with Morgan Moses and Stanley at their tackle position. I think there's no question about that. And that's going to be the challenge. And, you know, John Simpson's a guy they picked up off the street. They're going to have to continue to improve that offensive line because when you watch the tape, I mean, they, they were not playing well. They, they got pushed around a little bit. And they're going to have to repair the defensive line because they're going to lose two of the big rush guys you know, that they had there that got 18 sacks between the two of them, and then they're going to lose, you know, the, the Justin, I can't say his last name, but Matt he's going to be a free agent. Yeah, and he's going to get a lot of money. Do you not think People that they're gonna just going to – you don't think they're just going to tag Matt Abike? They could, depending on their salary cap. You know, I think a lot of that is how many moves can you make. I'm sure they want him back. There's no question he's a good player. Drafted, you know, they drafted him. He's a third-rounder. They're going to want to keep him. I have no doubt about that. But I, I haven't studied their cap yet yeah. to really know – how that's all going to work into it. And, and, and it's just not about one player. It's about how does this affect somebody else? I know they redid, they, they, they redid the uh, Michael Pierce's contract. So they've yep. got him under, under it. But I mean, when you look at Michael Pierce and Michael Pierce could be a really good player. I, I just wonder how he, if he's ever going to get in complete shape to be that kind of player. 
Yeah. I, I actually thought he had a hell of a season this year too, honestly. Yeah, he did. Boy, like, he is big. There, there was a, in the in the Texans game, there was a video of a play where he was actually running with C.J. Stroud, and you're like, how? Yeah, how? I mean, can you imagine how good he would be? I, I don't know what is what they lay, put his weight as. Yeah, but I mean, if you just did a if you did a September pitcher and a November December pitcher. Yeah, it looks pretty big. Can, can, can I just just presenting to you because you say you don't know the salary cap situation? Ronnie Stanley's cap hit next year is twenty six million dollars. His dead cap number is seventeen point eight. That to me smells like you got to try to restructure. You can't just move on. Can you take eighteen million dollars worth of dead cap space just to get eight million dollars worth of savings? Well, here's the problem. Right. Here's your issue. Right. If you go to the kid and say, I want you to take a pay cut. I want to put all the money more in incentives so that you're playing all the games. What's his motivation it's to true. do that? He just says, go ahead right? and release me. Right. Yeah. I, I know you're not go going ahead to and release me. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I mean, so he has no real motivation to work with you. He's not going to sit there and say, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I've missed games. You know, they paid him. And I agree with you. It would be a lot easier if you could find a way to, to say, OK, Ronnie, look. Here's where you are. You're the second highest paid player on our team. You're injured quite a bit. You've played in, you know, since 20, you've only played in 31 games. We'll give you all the money back, but you're going to have to play to earn it. Now, if he's willing to do that, that great. If he's not, he's going to call your bluff and say, I'm not, you're not, you cut me. Go ahead. Now, when they do that, right, the reality here becomes, can he get that deal in the open market? Is someone willing to pay Ronnie Stanley what they're willing to pay him? And that's where the Ravens gain an advantage because I'm not sure somebody's going to pay that to a player who's missed 31 games, who's only played in 31 games over the last four years. Mike, I, I, I wanted to ask you a question, and, I, and I'm not naive about this. I understand there's a little bit of difference between Ozzie Newsom's age when it happened and John Harbaugh's age right now. But there's a lot of people here in town that think that Steve Bishotti has made a huge mistake here in not holding on to McDonald and sort of giving a finality to John Harbaugh, like, hey, you got two or three more years, I'm paying this guy big money to stay here the way we did with Eric DaCosta. Um, is, is that unprecedented in coaching? I, I think to me, you know, it's so hard to, to tell a head coach when he gets an opportunity to be one to, to wait, you know, I think it's a hard thing to do. And, you know, and John doesn't seem like he wants to slow down at all. And mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand this, this negativity towards age and experience. I think it makes you better. Uh, I mean, Bill Walsh said in 1975, he was a better coach at 52 than he was at 32. And he was a better coach at 42 than he was at 32. So I, I think you get better as it goes on. And uh, I just think to me, yeah, Mike McDonald could be a great coach, but he's unproven yet. And I think ultimately you're going to have to go with, with John. There'll be another Mike McDonald down the road. Look, they found John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh was, you know, John Harbaugh. We, I hired John Harbaugh. He was a special team coach out of Indiana, you know. And so he, 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 he came in and we hired him in Philadelphia. So I, I think there's always a good young coach you could find. And why would you go with the unknown when you have something that's known? It's a little bit like what's going on in the NFL. The team down the road from your Washington decided to go with Dan Quinn. One game over 500, lost the Super Bowl, and passed up on Mike Brable, who's been a proven winner everywhere he's been, and, and of course, Bill Belichick, who's got six Super Bowls. By the way, that's fascinating to me that Mike Brable didn't end up getting the job in this cycle. Like, I, I just – I love Brable. No, it's really not. It's okay. really not. When okay. You, 
because here's what happens. You have to understand the NFL is now shifted to collaboration, right? And you guys live close to Washington. You understand this as much as anybody. They want a collaborative effort. Everybody wants to be involved. We're all going to work together. We're all going to sing Kumbaya. We're going to go Dairy Queen after the game. Nobody wants a strong personality as their head coach because people are intimidated. It's a guard your desk mentality. They don't want that. You know, they, they would rather have the continuity without the change. They, they feel like they're doing well, even though they're not doing well. I mean, this franchise in Washington has been a disaster, and yet they're going to keep the basic infrastructure of their team, which all Washington fans thought that they were going to change when Josh came in. They thought they were going to change. He hasn't really changed anything. You know, he's hired a, a new general manager and he's hired a new coach, which usually happens everywhere. But to me, that building needed a cleansing. It needed a complete exorcism. And yet they chose to go with this collaborative method, which has never worked in the NFL, just for the record. It rarely works where the GM controls everything. The head coach, the two teams playing in the Super Bowl have major head coaches who make every decision. Now, they get collaborative help from everybody else, but they're in charge. It's an interesting – it's certainly an interesting way of looking at it. I And it, obviously it, it explains a lot about why, you know, your guy Bill Belichick is um, is not coaching at the moment, which is, is crazy. Hey, Mike, can I revisit my question to you? Because you used the term, you know, I don't know what, what – I don't understand the negativity about age. I don't think the fans here are upset at John Harbaugh's age. I think it's the playoff results – of four sure. of the last five playoff games where not only have they lost, they have been they've did they've done almost exactly what they did last week, which is abandon what they were the regular season to be something else. And just that he got out coached, not that he's old. I, I don't disagree. I think he you know, look, to me, he's three and six since the Super Bowl in the yep. playoffs. That's yep. got a sting. You know, I, I'm fully aware of that. And and he's got to change. And, I, and I've been saying this for five years, you know, and, I, and I've been talking on death terms because if they don't put Lamar under center, if you go back and watch Lamar at Louisville, he was under center. Hell, there's coaches at Louisville that say the same thing that I'm saying. I've watched every game mm-hmm. of Lamar. My son coached on that staff at Louisville, you know, and, and, I, and, and they don't put him under center. They don't take advantage of the one thing – that the defense has to defend, which is boots and nakeds when he's under center. You know, this constant being in shotgun, it limits what you do. And if you're constantly, if you're an innovative franchise, which the Ravens claim they are on cutting edge, then you have to zig when everybody else is zagging. Right. You got to be the instrument of change. I mean, think about this. They got beat by a team in Kansas City that basically all they did after they lost on Christmas Day was change who they were as an identity. Mm-hmm. That's all they did. They just changed who they were. Mahomes averaged seven yards per, per attempt in the, in the regular season. He's averaged seven in the, in the postseason. Here's what's happened. Pacheco averaged 14.6 rushes during the regular season. He got to now he's averaging 21. What they decided to do was we're not going to hold the ball. We're going to protect our offensive line. We're not going to lose the game with our offense by turning it over. And we're going to run the football more. We're going to try to work the ball down the field. We've had seven drives of over – We've had 16 drives of the 40 of over seven plays or more. We're going to play fast. We're going to get the lead. And we're going to let our defense win the game. And our defense has only given up 14.3. That's, that's preparing yourself to win yeah. playoff games. Yeah. 
And, and I just don't think sometimes in Baltimore that they've played that. I keep saying, why don't they put this guy under center and let him have the ability to move around and, and play some structured football? But to the point, you're saying you still wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You're acknowledging they've got to be better in the playoffs, but you wouldn't have moved on from John Harbaugh and you know what, what's been a very functional organization just because of it. No, I wouldn't, and I would really have hard conversations with John. Yeah. I would have him. I would think, John, look, we can't. We got to figure out why we're losing playoff games, right? And especially we've lost. We lost the playoff game, and in two playoff games, we've only given up twenty points. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. like, what is it? You're going to blame Lamar? Is it all Lamar's fault? I mean, look, I got it. Roman's offense had no passing game. I got that. But to me, we run the ball 16 times against a team that allows 4.6 yards per carry. They were 25th in EPA on yards per rush. And we go into the game plan, we're going to fling it all over the place, running down the field routes, and no one's really open. I mean, I think there's some analysis that you – look, the best teams in the league do a complete analysis of why they won and why they lost. And that should propel them moving forward. And I think that's what John has to have an honest conversation with himself about what happens come playoff time. Michael Lombardi, I uh, I told you before, what I enjoy about football done right is that for uh, dummies like us in the sports media world, this is a very pleasant read. It's not daunting in any way. It's fun. Um, it's a lot of different concepts within one book. Um, everything about it I enjoy other than you putting Anthony Munoz higher than John Unitas on your list of the greatest players of all time. I'd like to, I'd like to personally fist fight you about that. But other than that, I really enjoy it. Remind everybody about how it came about and why you wanted to do the book this way. You know why it came about kind of happened last weekend. Okay. Last weekend, Fox shows us Detroit's Ford field where 30,000 Detroit lion fans showed up to watch the team spend $20 for a beer and sit in uncomfortable seats to watch a game they could have watched on television at home. And why did they did that? Because they love Dan Campbell? <laughs> because they love Ford Field? No, they love the history of their team. They've been Lions fans for years. And we had an opportunity right there to talk about the great Buddy Parker, who invented nickel defense, the great Buddy Parker, who invented the two-minute offense and the two-minute defense, who invented the star position, which is most teams call their slot corner, Okay. And the uniform of those Detroit Lions, the silver, is what the Raiders put with black to make the silver and black. It's a great franchise, and it has tremendous history with tremendous players that have played on that field in Detroit, and yet we didn't even talk about it. And this book is trying to recognize the past. How did we get here? Like, why are we here? Whose offense are we really running? Understand the history of the game. Understand the impact of television, the impact of all these confluences that have come together, and I try to tell it and then list the top 100 players, which has a bunch of Detroit Lions in it that never got mentioned other than Barry Sanders. It is it is really a pleasant read. Um, I, I can't encourage you enough. Football Done Right is available, and we've linked it up on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio, for you to check it out. Um, just a, a really good sort of history lesson for people about the game of football and not in a daunting way. Um, at M Lombardi NFL on Twitter is how you follow him. Michael Lombardi, is there anything else we can plug for you, sir? No, just in my show, the Lombardi line on VEASAN. You can watch it on DraftKings Network and, of course, the GM Shuffle podcast, which comes out every Monday and Thursday. Get it wherever you get your favorite podcast. It's kind of a – it's me unfiltered 
which is usually me all the time. And, you know, that's <laughs> kind of what it is. You're just trying to tell the truth. Mike, it's a pleasure to finally get to meet you. I'm an old friend of uh, somebody I think you know from your Cleveland days, Bob Leffler. Oh, the great Bob Leffler. Yep. I haven't talked to Bob in a long time. Please yep. send him my best. Yeah, All right. I'll... I haven't talked to him. Is he still in Tampa? Uh, no, he's uh, he's here. Yeah. Oh, great. Good. Bye. Well, tell him I said hello and reach out. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thank Thanks, you, Michael. Michael Lombardi with us here on GCR. Um, and I appreciate you going back and trying to, to re- reestablish your question, and I, I understand it. Yeah, it wasn't just an age right. thing. It's right. sort of, sort of, no, and, it's the, and also... What's the difference with what they did with John, uh, what they didn't do with John and and Mike McDonald and what they did with Eric? And, you know, I I get I get the difference. Younger guy like that wanting to be a head coach, hard to put off. And next year, if two of your defensive players get hurt, right? And yes. you have a, a down season defensively. All of a sudden, the bloom is off the rose, yeah. and you're yeah. like you're striking while the iron's hot. I don't know what's going to happen a year from now. I got to go take a job. I, I just don't know who's in that building right now that's going to have that hard conversation that Mike ta- he he talked about it as as if John has to talk to himself about it. To me, that needs to be a conversation between Eric and John Harbaugh or Steve. And Steve, yeah, or Steve, Steve, right? Yeah, like Steve, we know is is one of the things that I think we like most about Steve Bishotti is that he's not a meddler. He's not someone who steps in. But I don't think, to your point, I don't think there would be anything wrong with Steve stepping in and saying, "John, we got to be honest." Like, yeah, you know how much I the affinity that Steve Bishotti has for John Harbaugh is it's, well documented. No, no question about it. He That's why he's still the coach. John of the Harbaugh. Team. Yeah, um, and he's a good. We do have to like. He's also a really good coach. Yeah. Playoff results obviously being what they are. The guy wins at a historic level. Steve loves John Harbaugh, but I don't think there would be anything wrong with at some point Steve saying, look, we have to openly talk about this, and we have to have this conversation, and we have to say that no matter how good things are, if this continues, we can't just keep doing this year in and year out. I think that's the reality. It's a definition of of insanity. Uh, To some extent, it's almost you're right that it defines it. All right, uh, we're going to go from one GM to another this morning. But before we do that, CountySportsZone.com is your headquarters for local high school scores, schedules, and standings across all sports. CountySportsZone.com is proudly sponsored by Toyota. Joining us now here on GCR, of course, um, this man, I, I, get, I said GM, but I believe it was Executive uh, Vice President Baseball Operations was the correct He was the title. Grand Poobah of the Baseball Operations. He was operations. the Grand Poobah of the Baltimore Orioles. I want to get his thoughts on what has been obviously a monumental week for the franchise. It's always a pleasure for us to welcome back into the program Mr. Dan Duquette, who is with us now here on GCR. Dan, it's uh, Glenn Clark. Stan the Fan Charles is with me here in studio today. Always appreciate you taking the time for us. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. How are you? Good morning. Good. Dan, Good, Dan. As you'd imagine, uh, things are going pretty well here in Baltimore <laughs> this week. It's, uh, it's a good time. Uh, Dan, I just wonder, when you first heard the news of the sale, what was your kind of immediate reaction as someone who had been here and been a part of it for so long? Well, the, the you know the Orioles have been rooming up for sale for quite a while, and uh, the, uh, the 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 new ownership group was uh, mentioned as having interest. I, I saw something from Governor Hogan five years ago where he recommended 
to uh, Mr. Rubenstein that he purchased the club then. And uh, Larry Hogan posted that yesterday on, on Twitter. I thought that was pretty interesting and, 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 and informative, right? I mean, he's, he's always uh, been a member of the community there, and uh, I'm sure it's something they thought about for a long time. Dan, do you feel like, you know, I think or I, I say this not expecting you to take shots at anyone or start, but do you feel like the, the Orioles fans that say, this is great because this allows for the structure that works to then be met with an additional amount of spending, and that's the perfect combination for this ball club. Do you feel like that is the potential that's ahead for the Baltimore Orioles? Yeah, well, I mean, that, that remains to be seen. The, um, you know, the, the Orioles had a good, uh, solid, uh, uh, you know, foundation for, their, for the team when we left there, and a lot of those players have matured. And then, of course, the Orioles have added to them in recent years and the, uh, you know, have good depth to the organization. So the organization looks like they're in a good position. Um, I'm, I'm not of the mind that you come in and spend, spend, spend to make a better team. Uh, but I, I, I do think that um, it looks like a, a real solid uh, local ownership group uh, that, that will want to reward the fans and I, I, I'm, I'm happy for the fans uh, you know given what looks like to be a, a really you know positive development for them uh, you know you've got this young team and this team should be good for the next couple of years and now there look, looks like uh, they may be in a position to you know solidify that team um, and you know that would be that would be good news for the fans. Dan, this trade that was made last night, I, I've talked to tons of fans already that think this was all like David Rubenstein's taking over the team. Uh, Jim Henneman pumped the brakes on that for me. He said it was probably something that Mike was pretty close to uh, before the sale was consummated. Do you have a sense of that or a feel for that? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I really don't, you know. The, um, uh, you know, when, when a team's for sale, there's, you know, there's a lot of items in play that aren't usually in play, right? Yeah. So I, I don't, you know, that's a question you'd have to ask the, 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 the Orioles. Um, the, um, you know, the Orioles were looking for uh, additional starting pitching and a veteran starting pitching. It, it looks like they've accomplished that. So, you know, that, that'll help. Uh, solidify their rotation. You know, Grayson Rodriguez has has great stuff, but uh, you know he's still early in his career. And the um, you know the, the the teams that have the good solid veteran starters uh, that you know they're the ones that do well in the playoffs. So I, I'm sure this is going to be a good addition for the team. Dan is the guy who drafted DL Hall. Uh, I'm wondering you've you've watched his career you know, his career path. Do you see him, Milwaukee, do you think Milwaukee sees him as what the Orioles were seeing him as, as a relief pitcher? Or do you think they revisit the whole, hey, this guy's got a dynamic arm. We'd be fools for not trying him, trying to see if he can start. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know what their, um, what their plans are for DL Hall, you know, obviously DL Hall, when we drafted him, uh, had all the tools to, to be a, 
good pitcher in the big leagues, you know, uh, how he, uh, you know, continues to develop. He, he certainly has the pitches. He's got great, great stuff. And he's a very good athlete. You know, the question has been uh, consistently throwing strikes. And uh, if he can consistently throw strikes, I mean, he can, he can certainly be a starter. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how they view him, but, um, um, I really like his talent. I'm, I'm proud of the fact that he got to the big leagues and he's going to get an opportunity to, uh, you know, develop in the big leagues. David. I mean, he's, he's got, he's got some, you know, he's got some hellacious stuff There's no doubt and that'll that. be interesting to see how, how that, how that, how that comes along. Dan Duquette is with us here on GCR. Dan, you said something a second ago that your opinion isn't that you just come in and, and spend money. And I feel like that's the thing that like, we're all on board with. You know, we all, you know, the, the, the drafting, developing, those things matter the most and creating talent that way and then fortifying it. it if you had the ability, like, what, what could the Orioles have been if you had the ability to spend a little bit more money if we go back those years, do you feel like that that can be the difference between being good, being competitive, and taking the next step towards winning a World Series? Well, I mean, if you if you spend it intelligently, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you have more resources to deploy and and uh, you know you make the right choices, yes. You know the the um, you know the, we had the best record in the American League from 2012 to 2016. And we, we did that uh, essentially with a, a, a mid-market payroll, right? It wasn't, it wasn't the highest payroll in the, in the division, in the Eastern Division, because you have some major market behemoths there. But we were able to, um, you know, compete as well as any clubs in the big leagues uh, with, with a mid-market payroll. It, it depends on your, you know, it depends on what you have. You know, I, I'm... I'm uh, happy that a lot of the guys that we signed got up to the big leagues and provide the uh, a lot of the veteran players that are on the current team. You know that that that, that shows that we left some what do you call it uh, groceries in the cupboard, right? right. And mm-hmm. then you know, and then you know the, the the kid Batista had a great great year last year, and uh, you know we were able to sign him after he was released by the Marlins, so. Those are all, you know, yep. value-based uh, investments that got to the big leagues and added a lot of value to the club. Um, you know, you'd like to be able to get the club over the top when you have your core together. And the Orioles team, this Orioles team, you know, that has been built over the last several years should have a few chances to do that. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll be able to bring another pennant to the to Baltimore. I'm sure that's what all the fans would like. And, you know, I, I, I'm happy for them to, you know, be able to see that. Dan, I got a question away from the Orioles for a second. The uh, Shohei Otani contract, which included an <laughs> unprecedented uh, $68 million per season in deferrals. Is that healthy for the competitive balance of, of baseball? Well, <laughs> I, I see the uh, the California <laughs> D- Department of Revenue has taken exception to that contract. I mean, they, they, they immediately took up uh, the the cause for legislation to uh, see if they could 
get get a more significant portion of that contract uh, from Otani while he's in L.A. Uh, you know, is is that is that good for the competitive balance? You know, I mean, the economic imbalance from team to team that you know that can persist in uh, in MLB, but you know the, the competitiveness of the teams. You know the teams that have a lot of money. The Dodgers have done a good job being competitive year in and year out. Yeah. Do they have more resources than a lot of clubs? Can they do something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, does it make sense for them in their market to do it? Well, yeah. you know they they thought so. Yeah, they they thought they thought that was a good signing, and then you know Otani, he's a very uniquely talented uh, guy. Um, you know he's he's making a bunch of money on endorsements. He doesn't need the money now. So he sourced the income later. So, you know, is it good for competitive balance? You know, the, the Otani has got to come back from a surgery, a major surgery yep. uh, that he's having, that he's having the second time. So, you know, I, I don't know where that's going to come out. He's a uniquely talented player. Um, you know, if, if you have to write that check for 68 million and, he was hurt for a lot of the time, you know, that that's not going to be a good investment. Yeah. If he's healthy, you know, it'll be good. Um, Dan, I wonder, because, you know, as we say, you're not of the opinion, just spend, 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 but the Orioles, the move they made last night to acquire Corbin Burns to you, is that an example of this is the way to do it? This is how you fortify you. You build a good roster, a talented roster. And then when you have that, you strike while the iron's hot. To you, is that the example of the correct move that you make if you're going to spend some? It's not even extraordinary. It's fifteen million dollars in one year um, to try to capitalize on what you have. Well, I I, I think you owe it to the fans to uh, you know try to have as strong a pitching staff as you can have every year, right? Yeah. So that they can enjoy baseball into the summertime and into the fall, um, and the um, you know the the the, uh, the Orioles had a good solid foundation uh, when when we got to the playoffs. Uh, we found out that uh, we we're going to need a little bit more starting pitching depth, right? And you know they use the farm system. You can use the farm system to staff your major league team, or if you have a good farm system, you can use it to trade some of those uh, players from your farm system to strengthen your team. So. I think the depth the Orioles have allowed them to make the trade, and uh, looks to me like they've got a good core of young players, and they needed to add a veteran pitcher. So, uh, you know, it looks to me like it's a good step uh, at the right time. Do you view them as having a roster that's capable of winning a World Series? (laughs) Well, they won 101 games last year. They sure did. Most of them are returning. Um, You know, I mean, this is a this is a a good team. I mean, and um, you know, uh, hopefully they'll be in the hunt. I I see I see a I see them as a, a really strong team. I look at their other teams in the American League East, and it looks to me like the Orioles are built to be highly competitive here. You know, for the next five years. Dan, uh, I, I know you follow the game pretty closely. Uh, what are your thoughts about Jackson Holiday? I mean, have you seen him play much at all? Yeah, well, 
I, I've known uh, Jackson's grandfather probably for about uh, 40 years. Uh, mm. Tom was a coach at Oklahoma State when I was scouting with the Brewers. And then I, I know his uncle David, uh, Tom's brother, he, he was a recruiter. And uh, he became a professional scout, and this is one of the this is one of the uh, best families, right? I yeah. mean, this is baseball baseball royalty. I mean, it, 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 I, I saw um, I saw his grandfather down the Cape. Uh, he, he was uh, managing the Chatham team, and he's done that for a few years. And um, I said, I, I hear your uh, grandson's a pretty good ball player. He goes, Yeah. He goes, I, I got to tell you. He goes, He really. Uh, took off his senior year when he did some uh, weight training and uh, that, that seemed to bring everything together for him. I mean, if you go back and look at the video of this kid, he was hitting balls uh, when his, when his dad was playing for the Rockies, <laughs> he was hitting balls out on the field in pregame. Right. And, and uh, you can see at that point he had extraordinary bat to ball skills, right? He was, he was raking, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's been raking since he was three years old. <laughs> uh, uh, so, anyway, um, yeah, uh, I, I, it looks to me like he's going to have a pretty good career. <laughs> Dan Duquette, what uh, what what do you have going? I know you know you're you're working in consulting. Is there anything that we can plug for you? Anything you got going on that we can talk about? Um, well, no, I have some consulting clients. A couple of them are in and around uh, MLB. Uh, it's always good to talk to you guys. I'm happy for the fans there in Baltimore and looking forward to uh, seeing how the O's do, do this year. It looks like they're in pretty good shape. Uh, it does. It does look like they're in pretty good shape. We always appreciate you taking Thanks, the time Dan. for us. We certainly appreciate Grayson Rodriguez, uh, and we look forward to doing this again real soon, all right? Yeah, the um, – I hope Grayson Rodriguez comes through like uh, like we think he can come through. No doubt. That, that would be a big boost in the arm. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, I, I really enjoy watching that kid Santander play, too. Yeah, he's okay. I wonder who thought of getting him. He's fun to watch. And then wait till you see um, – Wait till, you, wait till you see the ball club when it, when it matures. I think you'll be happy with it. I, I think we are, we're awfully excited. Dan, always Thank appreciate you, Dan. it. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. Dan All Duquette right. with us here on GCR. All right, we got to get a break. Are you are you ducking out? Is I'm it time for you? To Stan wants to, to make sure. Yeah, Mike Elias is doing a press conference today. You'll be back in action on Monday with uh, be back on, Ross in action and Monday with Ross and, and by that point, we might have six more things to talk about. Who knows? Oh. It's exciting. It is very, very exciting. Right. Have a great weekend, guys. Thanks for coming in and hanging out All with right. us this morning. We come back in. Xavier Scruggs from MLB Network. MLB Network Radio is going to check in with us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. 
Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken. A family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite. And at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Jeremy Kahn here. The ultimate sports betting experience in Maryland is at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook. Join me at either location in Canton or in Towson and place your bets in person and be a part of the action. It's the best in-class sports wagering experience complete with the ultimate TV package, ensuring you can catch every game all day, every day. Their state-of-the-art facilities bring Las Vegas energy right here to Maryland just in time for postseason football. So visit the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton and Towson and elevate your game day experience and hang out with me to bet, watch, and win at the Turtle. Hey, Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. Coming back in here with Glenn and the other guy, uh, uh, Garrett, whatever his name is. You know who they are. All right, back in here on GCR. So a couple things that I think are worth pointing out. The Baltimore Sun uh, reporting that perhaps, again, this this ownership change could move a little bit quicker than typical ownership changes. And for a myriad, for myriad reasons, that does make sense. Like, it, it does make sense that perhaps... Major League Baseball would be inclined to try to move this along quicker than usual ownership changes. But we will have to continue to monitor that. Also this morning, John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta meeting with the media. I, I, I got to be honest with you, you're going to be left shaking your head about a lot of it. They're, they're, they're not giving you any direct answers. Asked about putting the tag on Justin Matabike, Eric DaCosta said he's not going to talk about it. Asked about Tyus Bowser, not going to talk about it. I mean, if you want the quotes, uh, uh, this is from Jeff Zrebeck's Twitter. Eric DaCosta declined to get into specifics on Tyus Bowser. He missed the entire season. Quote, just a tough deal for him this year, and we'll have to deal with it. Unquote. So, there's nothing there. Asked about tagging Justin Matabike. Eric DaCosta said he learned it's beneficial to just not talk about certain things. Quote, 
We'll have all those decisions made in the coming weeks. Unquote. Got it. Got it. Uh, as far as the run, the run game in the championship game, John Harbaugh, quote, that's not a number that you want to have. That's not going to win us a game, unquote. Harbaugh said he had discussions with Todd Munkin about running the ball during the game. Quote, believe it or not, it was a big part of our game plan to run the ball. We had the ball for nine minutes in the first half, unquote. Quote, you want to run the ball against the Chiefs. We did want to run the ball. We just couldn't get to it, unquote. There are times over the years when people have accused the Ravens of abandoning the run, and I've said, well, let's go back and look at that, right? There are times where circumstances do matter. Um, I would say that, you know, just two weeks ago, we talked about how it looked it looked awful for the Ravens against the Blitz against the Texans, and it it a lot of people felt very panicked about it going to the half. But I said you're you're overreacting to one drive because in the final drive of the half they didn't have the time to leave someone underneath that they couldn't really alter in that situation. The thing that you wanted them to do would not have helped them with 30 seconds left. It didn't make it okay that they had struggled you know, in general against the Blitz, but in that spot of the game, it was the wrong way to measure them, and it made you feel worse at the half than you should have because it was what you saw most recently. But if we really looked at the game situation the Texans would have loved for the Ravens to have taken an underneath middle of the field eight yards with 30 seconds left in the half. That would have been a huge win for the Texans because they wouldn't have enough time to get down and get into field goal range. Game circumstances do matter sometimes. You're hard-pressed to buy into that in this situation. There are too many examples of you had the opportunity to get into it and it worked for you to come back and just say it was game circumstances. Nope. Nope. Not hearing it. Now you want to say in the fourth quarter you, because you were down 10, it was impossible to run in the fourth quarter? Eh. I still wouldn't say impossible, but I get that it gets more difficult when you get to the fourth quarter and you're down by two scores. But and that you, their answer might be, well, look, it, you know, you're seeing six runs for the running backs, but you know, had it been a one-score game in the fourth quarter, then maybe it would have been ten runs for the running backs. We would all say, yeah, that's still not that, – that, that, that still don't work. It just don't make sense. But if you're looking for answers, you're just not going to get answers. And i got to be honest with you, you can't be all that surprised by that. That's un- – I've said it before. It's kind of why I stopped going some time ago. And nor am I mad about it. Like, they've got the right to say, no. Sorry. We're not going to tell you what we're doing. You'll find out when we do it. That's their right. They have that right, and it's all good. It's on you for choosing to spend your time that way. I'm going to choose to spend my time by chatting with uh, Xavier Scruggs because the Orioles acquired Corbin Burns last night, and we're kind of losing our minds about it. Uh, this man, of course, you hear on MLB Network Radio. You see him all over your TV, ESPN and MLB Network. He is 
former big leaguer Xavier Scruggs, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Xavier, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Hey, yeah, no problem at all. Happy to be on here. Uh, it's great to chat with you, and as you can imagine, we are uh, kind of uh, over the moon here in Baltimore about the events of the past week. Uh, let's zero in on just Corbin Burns specifically. The the Orioles, as they were constructed, plus Corbin Burns, are now what? They are now dominant. Um, when I look at this roster, I think that was one of the main issues was obviously the starting pitching, um, you know, whether or not they could be dominant. We know the team can be great. We know the rotation can be great, especially with Kyle Bradish and what Grayson Rodriguez and both of them did down the stretch. Um, they were just missing that ace piece. And, and we kind of heard the talks as far as who they could be looking at, why they could be looking at a specific starter. Um, but it didn't seem like it was going to come into fruition, uh, especially knowing that one of those starters that they could be looking at would be costing money towards the salary and, and the roster, right? And you look at and how much they would project in spending. So I think it was just a question of whether or not they might do it. And now seeing them do it helps them become dominant, especially against other AL at East teams. They already won 101 games last year. So who knows how much better they could be now with a guy like Corbin Burns, a former Cy Young winner, at the top of the rotation. You know, is there any trepidation at all to you about going in on guy for one year at this point, or are they so close to being capable of winning a World Series that it's worth that risk, even if you know it's Scott Boris' client, you have no opportunity to sign Corbin Burns after the season? Well, I look at they probably have an opportunity to sign him. Um, you know, knowing that he has an opportunity to, to grow with a team that couldn't be dominant for a while, specifically thinking about what they've done with young prospects and how they've developed guys at the major league level as well. Um, not a lot of other teams have done that and have the type of window that the Baltimore Orioles have. So I think that could be attractive to Corbin Burns. But also I look at this is a guy that could make you go from round one of the postseason to being a World Series winning team. And I yeah. think if there's something that we've seen is, you know, Angelos and, and that ownership was more towards being risk adverse. And now I think if you switch ownership, there might be that, that, that ability to say, okay, let's take on a little bit more risk to see if we can be a, a, a great team. And maybe that boosts us moving forward in the future. So I, I think that there's obviously a lot of factors that go into it, but also it's hard to pass up on a Corbin Burns with the team that you already have roster constructed wise. Um, it, it's almost a, an equation for an opportunity to win a World Series. Uh, by the way, everything you just said, Xavier, like to me, is, was sort of my initial reaction. Like, if, if the Orioles are somehow able to sign Corbin Burns long term, this, this could end up being one of the great trades they've ever made. But even if they don't, it's absolutely still worth it to me. Like, he's just that good, and the team is good enough. And now, I think the other side of it, what you point out, this ownership group appears to be the type of group that if something doesn't work out, they are more capable of fixing it moving forward. Hey, whatever we lost, if we lose a D.L. Hall and don't win a World Series with Corbin Burns, we think we can go replace D.L. Hall in in two years. We think we can make that right. happen, that it's still worth it. And that's why, like, I, 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 yes, there's risk involved, but it's absolutely risk that's worth taking. And to me, 
it's the idea of maximizing your potential to really do something at a time you have a, a, a nucleus that's just simply outstanding. Well, I also think, too, getting a Corbin Burns at least this early before the season starts, now you have the ability to – he gets comfortable. You, you don't have right. to wait around to figure out whether or not your team will be in the same position as last year going into a trade deadline. Now you actually have the opportunity to say, man, we might be dominant throughout the first half of the season, and then once trade deadline comes, we have even more options to go after guys to become that much better of a roster instead of waiting around – for a Cor- Corbin Burns or a Dylan Cease or somebody like a Shane Bieber in the middle of the season. No, I thought seeing the aggressiveness is indicative to a team that's willing to take chances and willing to get better now uh, before the season actually starts. And, and as a former player, that does wonders for me in my clubhouse, knowing that, okay, we have, we have the group that we're going to be with. We're not having the question marks coming into spring training, like, man, we didn't go after guys that we really could have made this roster better. No, I think it's better for the morale of the team. And I know that's something that we can't quantify, but as a former player, I know how important it is. Uh, Xavier Scruggs is with us here on GCR. We talked about that earlier today too, Xavier. And I I would go a step beyond. It's not just the acquisition of Corbin Burns, but I would think these guys now look around too like, hey, maybe we – like. I, I, I hate saying it out loud, but I'm going to assume that a lot of these players have said to themselves, we're probably not going to be here long term based on just, you know, reading the tea leaves. And all of a sudden it's both things. Right. It's both there's a chance that we might be able to stay in this place and around these guys that we like, and they're doing what's necessary in order for us to try to take the next step. I would think that the morale on the team has wildly changed over the course of the last seven days. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, guys come into spring training almost with a different type of attitude than they might have before. Right. And and I think that, you know, I think we've put so much uh, kind of emphasis on Adley Rushman and what he's done. And I think, you know, knowing that he's now a couple of years in, I think that makes this trade even better, because if there's somebody that helps Corbin Burns kind of acclimate himself as a as a pitcher on this roster. I think it's going to be Adley Rushman. Now, yeah. I think knowing that you've been able to establish your team with guys having success early on, um, it makes the transition that much easier for a guy like Corbin Burns. Because let's not let's be real. Like it's going to be not easy going from the NL Central to the AL East and the hitters that he'll be facing against some of those teams when you talk about the Yankees now getting Juan Soto, you talk about the, the, what the Blue Jays have, have been able to do offensively. The Tampa Bay Rays are always there consistently. Um, the Red Sox offense was good last year too. So you just look at some of these teams, and that transition is going to, is going to weigh heavily on what this clubhouse looks like for this Orioles team, and I think it just got a lot better. So let, let me re- reflect on that a little bit because for his career, Corbin Burns does have really good numbers against the American League, um, and obviously you know, a right-hander in, in Camden Yards now has a huge advantage with that wall being pushed back. Do you have any concern at all about him transitioning to the American League? I think the only concern that I would have was just coming off of maybe not the best Corbin Burns season from last year. But, I mean, still then we're talking about marginally. He still finished eighth in Cy Young voting. He had an extremely strong second half. Yep. Um, the defense of the Orioles, that, that pretty much answers any of the questions I may have if this guy gets 
uh, if they've put the ball in play against him and he's not getting the same strikeouts he's had in the past. So I think even that's going to be a huge factor that plays into uh, the success of Corbin Burns. You talked about the left field wall, that we've seen that come into play um, hugely with this rotation and this pitching staff. So I think all the, I guess, all the surrounding factors also make me extremely confident about this trade and this perfect fit for the Orioles as well. Um, anything else that you'd still like to see the Orioles do now? Like if, if, if this is a reflection of the impact of the new ownership group and their interest in winning quickly, um, is there something else to you that would still make sense? I, I feel like here we're still a little bit worried about the back end of the bullpen without Felix Batista. I, I have some doubts personally about Craig Kimbrell for the entirety of the season and the usage. Like, is that to you the area that they could still use some strengthening? Yeah, I think anytime you have the opportunity to go get arms, that's going to be, um, you know, a priority, right? It's always something to where somebody's going to go down in this, in this uh, bullpen. Somebody's going to go down in this rotation at some point. You're just hoping it's not for an extended amount of time. But as I look at the Orioles, I think one of the best things they could have done is gotten Craig Kimball just because he's shown the consistency to be able to, to handle the role of a closer, but also, you know, if, if it ends up being Yanir Cano at some point and, and he has to go into that A slot, I think I'm okay with that too. I think you've given yourself some options there, but also you can never have enough pitching. So, you know, if there's an opportunity to go get another guy, whether it be before the spring training starts or before season starts, or even at the trade deadline, which I would assume that they would do, um, I think that's going to be of importance, uh, especially when you look at, you know, the other teams in the American League. You have to look at the AL West, and they're not going anywhere either, right? The Rangers just won it. You look at what the Mariners are doing this offseason as well, continuing yeah. to get talent on their roster. And then the Astros are the Astros. They'll always be there. So the, the, the whole the whole American League is only going to get tougher as well. Xavier, if, before, if I could ask just about the other side of it, because everybody likes to always believe that they won the trade – how did you think the Brewers did here? What did you make of their side of this? Yeah, I, I, I like what the Brewers did. I, it was just a little confusing because you go out and you sign Reese Hoskins right. and you give him a pretty hefty deal that you normally may not see the Brewers do anyway, and then you go and trade your ace. That was a little bit of more of the questionable aspect to me, but it sounds like it was an opportunity that obviously the Brewers could not pass up. Um, and maybe something that they, they hadn't quite received at, at that point. So I, I, like, um, the, I like Ortiz, obviously great defensive middle of the infield shortstop guy. That's going to be important for the Brewers because Willie Adamas is on his last year before free agency. He might get traded at some point. So I think he could step into that shortstop role. And then I look at, um, you look at B.L. Hall, a guy that, has some really good stuff. I think he can still be a starter at the big league level. And obviously the Brewers are going to need more starters um, now that Corbin Burns leaves. And then uh, ultimately, I think the one thing that people may overlook is you're going to get another first round or kind of in between round pick at number 34 for the Brewers who are a team that's not necessarily rebuilding, but they're, they have, they cannot afford guys like Corbin Burns, right? They can't afford to extend him a $200 million deal so what do they continue to do is stockpile that young talent and develop it. So that's just as important for them. Xavier Scruggs, what can we plug for you, my friends? Man, you can plug Show and Go on YouTube. It's my new show. 
that is now going on. I sit down with guys in the industry, just most recently sat down with St. Louis Cardinals manager Oliver Marmol. You don't get that opportunity to really sit down with managers and really learn their personality in the in, the, in and out of what they go through. Um, but sitting down with people in the baseball industry, most notably players of today and some of the star players, Tyler Glasnow, Kyle, uh, Kyle Tucker, um, I sat down with Gary Sheffield, and you just get to learn a little bit more about them and the in-game decisions that they make as players as I kind of have an interactive discussion showing them the things that they do on the field. So show and go on YouTube and all podcast platforms. And, of course, on Twitter, at Xavier underscore Scruggs. Xavier, really appreciate it, man. Thanks for hopping on with us for a couple of minutes this morning. Let's talk again as we get into the season, all right? Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys having me. Xavier Scruggs with us here on GCR. Um, yeah, a couple elements there, too. He brings up the draft pick, and I do think it's important on both sides. I think that's more palatable this year because the Orioles had another pick in the 30s. The Gunnar Henderson Rookie of the Year awarding them the 32nd pick made them say, if that's what this requires, we'll do it, and has been pointed out by a few people, by getting him for a full season, now you present the opportunity that if he does leave next year, you could recoup a compensation pick that would be right in about the same range. So you're really only, you're either going to have Corbin Burns or you're really only pushing the pick back a year. So in that way, it doesn't really feel like giving up a top 35 draft pick. You're just waiting a year. You're deferring it. I don't, in talking about both Joey Ortiz and D.L. Hall, because a lot of people last night were like, oh, Milwaukee got fleeced. I think a lot of that will be determined by what D.L. Hall proves to be. And I, I don't know still. My gut tells me he's not a high-level starting pitcher, but we have seen many examples of guys that just end up somewhere else, and for whatever reason, that's when it clicks. I, my belief is D.L. Hall, like many others, is a back-end electric bullpen arm, which, by the way, is also quite valuable. If D.L. Hall could become Josh Hader... My God, well worth making that trade. If D.L. Hall could still find some upside as a starter, you know, that, that changes everything for the Brewers. But I think we're all skeptical of that, and that's why we're not... I don't think anybody believes that D.L. Hall still was going to become a high-level starter in Baltimore. And because of that, it's more palatable to make this move. The belief is you're capable of replacing even an electric back end of the bullpen arm. The the Joey Ortiz thing is kind of obvious. I think Joey Ortiz is a damn good baseball player. But what's he gonna be twenty six this year? That sounds that sounds right. Like Just I think that's what that's what Luke Jackson said last night when we were chatting. He was born in ninety eight, yeah. He's gonna be twenty six in July. And there's no path for him. 
you had to do something here. Truthfully, I still don't know that there's a path for Connor Norby. Yeah, I, that was what I was thinking too. Because Norby's got to be next I, I, in in whatever trade they, whether that's you know in June or July, whatever. How old is Connor Norby? I want to say he's slightly younger than Ortiz. Yeah, I think so. So it might not be that, like they feel as pre- he's twenty three. Okay. Yeah. So uh, he'll turn twenty four in June. They might not feel quite as pressed about moving Norby as they 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 needed to be about Ortiz, and. You know, having an insurance plan, I guess, isn't the end of the world if something that you're counting on doesn't go right or if, you know, God forbid, a significant injury were to occur. They might say internally... He could play corner outfield. Right. They might say, we could live with having one extra of these guys. We weren't going to be able to do this with two extra. And ultimately, it might be that they shot both to the market and the market said, well, because of Joey Ortiz's defense... We think he's more valuable. We think we can pencil him in and know exactly what he is moving forward. We don't know what Connor Norby is. I'm not sure. But they couldn't... We just talked about this. How ironic is it that Buster only, like, yesterday morning was like, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if... Time to call Chicago. David Rubenstein said, go ahead. Go ahead. You have my... Even before it's official, go ahead. And it didn't even take 24 hours (laughs) from that point. Now he had, I don't think he used, it's funny because I think he used every name but Corbin right, Burns. Right. But I the the point was taken. Um they could not hold on to this glut of major leaguers that weren't playing at the major leagues. You had to do something with it. Would Dylan Cease have been more desirable because of the three years, perhaps, but it's our understanding that, one, this package couldn't have gotten you, Dylan Cease. Two, if people are pointing out that Corbin Burns' numbers were slightly down last year, yet not comparable to what Dylan Cease's numbers were down to. And I still think highly of Dylan Cease, but you can only shop for what's available. This was available. The Orioles paid a price that is real, but yet at the same time, understandable. There's no negatives for me here. One day we might look back on it and say, hmm, you know, Corbin Burns came here for a year, he was good, but the Orioles didn't do anything more than they had done the year before that. Then he walked away, and... Both Joey Ortiz and D.L. Hall became damn good players for the Brewers. Like, it's totally possible that it plays out that way. I'll say the same thing that I said. It's painful that Jake Arrieta became what he became in Chicago and that we look back on that deal and say, you just just gave him up. Now, the Orioles weren't getting Corbin Burns back in that trade. It's a little bit different. But I'll always, the, the trades in the name of this makes sense at the time, I'll never go back and say that was a mistake. It's logical today. Maybe in five years we'll reflect on it in a different way. But I won't be critical of making a logical trade. And to the point, 
if this is the route you're going to go, then that needs to be the directive for David Rubenstein and Mike Elias moving forward. If you're going to trade away pieces and something doesn't work, you know, I wonder if that was the maybe to the point Stan brought up earlier that Jim Henneman thinks it perhaps was in the pipeline before the ownership change happened. Let's just hypothetically say that it was. If that's the case, then you hope that part of the conversation was Michael Elias saying, well, David, you know, we could do the Burns deal. Like, we knew what the price was all along. I was reluctant to do it because it's going to hurt the back end of our bullpen. You cool with me going out and adding another piece to add the back end of the bullpen to make up for what we're losing in DL Hall? And you would hope that the answer was, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and do it. Or a year from now, if it doesn't work out, I'll go ahead and give you the thumbs up that we can do something else. You hope that those conversations were already had. It's like what I said about anybody who in hindsight thought it was a bad idea for the Orioles to sign Chris Davis. You were wrong. It was a bad idea for the Orioles to sign Chris Davis if it was going to, if it was going to lead to what we saw, if it was the only money they were going to spend, if they were then going to judge other decisions that they were going to make based on the money that they had spent on Chris Davis in a vacuum signing Chris Davis alone is, was not a problem. And it's not second guessing. There were people that that day said, this is a mistake. You don't sign Chris Davis. You sign Manny Machado. My point then was, if you're signing Chris Davis, it better be because you're also going to be willing to sign Manny Machado. In a vacuum, it was a good idea to sign Chris Davis. Obviously, it turned out terribly. But if it was the only money you were ever going to spend, then go back and say, no. No, that's not... If if you have a certain amount of money that you're going to spend and that's it, Chris Davis ain't the money to spend it on. I I don't believe that the new ownership group would say to Mike Elias, this is the only move you're ever allowed to make. You'll never be allowed to make another move again. Require another player. If that is the case, then got bigger problems. But I don't believe that's the case. I refuse to believe that that's the case. And so I, it's it's hard for me to be anything but overwhelmingly positive. And frankly, it I do think it answers a lot of the other questions. I wanted I wanted to hear from David Rubenstein earlier in the week. You know what? I felt like I've heard from David Rubenstein. This feels to me as significant as anything you could say in a press conference. Frankly, it this feels... This is liftoff. Yeah, right? This is more significant than anything you could say in a press conference because it's actions. I, I don't remember who I brought it up with. It have been Buster, even, that said, you know, yeah, you want to hear from him, but what you really want to do is see it. Yeah. Well, I've seen it. I'm good. I'm good. All in. I'm as fired up and as excited as you guys were on Tuesday night. I, this, this is the thing. And they still have to prove it on the field. This does not guarantee anything. They still have to go win something. But it's a very real feeling of like, I don't remember the last time I felt this optimistic about the overall picture of the Baltimore Orioles. I felt optimistic about their on-field performance. I felt optimistic about the talent of certain players. But the overall complete picture of the Baltimore Orioles... It would have to predate 1998 
I was, you know, those 96, 97 teams didn't have the same young talent. I mean, that's the reality. Those were largely teams that were bought, right? Like Cal Ripken had been around for a long time and was on the back end. Mike Messina had already gotten one contract at that point. Um, Brady Anderson? What, what was well, he, he was a trade, but, you know, it was close enough to homegrown that, you know, you kind of felt that way. But he wasn't. He was not a drafted developed player. He was a trade acquisition. Um, it was not a homegrown core of talent. It was going out and getting Rafael Palmero, going out and getting Roberto Alomar, going out and getting Eric Davis, going out and getting B.J. Surhoff. Chris Hoyles was internal. But was also, again, some of those guys that were internal had been around for a while. They were, it was not a young nucleus of players that was going to be sustainable for a long time. So even the optimism I had about the money they had spent to put that team together in 96-97, that didn't translate to big-picture optimism. The combination of young talent, young core, ownership that appears to be willing... To, to do what's necessary. Interested in winning. Yes. All of it? <laughs> Come on, man. Like This is as hopeful as I've probably been in my life about the totality of the Baltimore Orioles. The whole complete picture. I don't think I've ever been this optimistic. It's effing exciting, man. It's, you know... Again, I would rather watch them win a World Series. Like that's the thing I want to see. But well, we're gonna be we're gonna remember the this moment when you know. I hope you know. I I, I hope that's the case. I just I, I just the feeling of like anything's possible. The feeling of like oh my god, this they're real. They're really trying. Like they they really want to do this. Whew. You get the you get some warm fuzzies. You get you get a little worked up about that. It's it's extraordinarily cool. All right. Uh, we are winding down for a Friday edition of the program. Griffin, what's going on at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland? Uh, sports and Social at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the place to be for the big game. It features an on-site FanDuel location, and it will be the ultimate spot to watch the big game on the massive 100-foot media wall. So order up your favorite game day bites and take a sip from our signature crushes and extensive beer selections all just steps away from the FanDuel Sportsbook. You can watch, wager, and win at Sports and Social at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, what's, uh, what's, what's this? Um, just like two feet to my left, there is something going on. I'm uh, not just, sure just, what it you is. Know, examining the building. It's very weird. Very, very weird. Apologies to those of you that have tried to get in. Um, Matt uh, Matt Torper. I'm a little lo- worried about the bullpen losing D.L. Hall. He was probably the bullpen arm I felt the best about, but obviously Burns is going to make a huge impact on the rotation. They can probably cobble together bullpen arms to cover for the loss of Hall. Not too worried about losing Ortiz in the short term. Long term, he might be missed, but it's worth to maximize our chances this year. Matt, that's essentially what I just said, right? Like, I'm, I'm not saying because Matt sent that to me before I said it, so I'm not suggesting that he's... Um, what are you talking about, Matt? I am. I am concerned. I think what he said about the like D.L. Hall being the most optimistic he was about a bullpen arm, I'd probably be inclined to agree. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't have arms that I think are capable. And if, let's add to that, we believe that the starters 
can add more innings next season, starting with Corbin Burns, but not just Corbin Burns, not just the fact that you can, you're not worried about his innings number, but throw in, now add more innings for all of the next group of pitchers. Not taxing the bullpen quite as much probably will be helpful in getting the best versions of some of these guys. I still could go for one more reliable. Stan brings up Dylan Tate, and you know if he can find that two. Ben McDonald talked about it earlier. If they can, if he can find the twenty twenty two form, that does go a long way here. And maybe it's like it should be naive of me to just trust Michael Elias. Like you know, like who's going to be the next Danny Coulomb, the guy that's not on the roster <laughs> until the second day of the season and ends up being right. I hear you, but let's not oversell Danny Coulomb either, right? Like he was a. So Jacob Webb was, you know, for for a couple of weeks was electric, right? Like I mean, if they're able to do that three y- times, near Cano three for two months was the greatest reliever in baseball history. Um, yeah, I have some amount of trust, but I would still like a, a higher end arm. I'd still like one that I believe. Like I, I understand Matt Torper's point. Like going into this year, there was a part of me that said, I think Craig Kimbrell is the closer, but I think he's the closer for now, and it wouldn't surprise me if at some point. It ain't D.L. Hall that's actually the closer for this team. And, again, we're we're thinking that Tyler Wells might be a factor in this conversation, and we'll see. That, to me, is more... I think people are trying to oversimplify the Tyler Wells conversation. I think it's a very complicated conversation. I, I like Dean Kramer, and as a fifth starter, I think you can do worse than Dean Kramer. But... I... I think we've already seen Tyler Wells having higher a higher upside than Dean Kramer. When Tyler Wells has been good, he's been really good. So I don't know that it's as simple as just immediately casting Tyler Wells into a defined bullpen role as opposed to let's let him compete for the fifth spot. We're going to need six starters anyway because starters are going to get hurt. So maybe the more value is that Dean Kramer is a long man who is your sixth starter when you need him. Now, if that's the case, then you definitely need an upgrade at the end of the bullpen. Like if Tyler Wells is not slated to be that guy, who is that guy? But I'm not as confident as everyone else is that the answer is just today written in stone, Dean Kramer is the fifth starter, as much as that makes the most sense to us, but they might see more value in if they believe Tyler Wells. Ben McDonald's very confident in him. A lot of It's not just Ben McDonald. Yeah. John Smoltz raves about Tyler Wells every time we talk to him. I, it's just, I guess it's the durability. I, I hear you, but if you can get... If ha- even if it is just half a season of 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 what you got last year, right? Like that was extraordinarily high end. I would think that you would hope that he's taken a step forward. I I don't know. I and and again with Dean Kramer potentially there to be your backup plan. If Tyler Wells can be a really high level starter, imagine if you had five high level starters in a rotation. I'm getting greedy now. All right, let's grab a break. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying things. We just still out trade here. for Josh Hayden. Yeah, still out here. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> don't think that's gonna be the case. Um, 
God, I'm so. I just feel things. Right, the one that you look back on now is Robert Stevenson. Like, if you had added Robert Stevenson this off season, this looks like you know the greatest off season in Orioles history. That's and it's not even requiring you to spend. What was Robert Stevenson like? Thirty four million dollars, something like that, uh, over three years. Yeah, is that what it was? God, if you had done that and then traded away traded away DL Hall, you would have felt a lot different about this. Three years, thirty three. Yeah. Where'd he go? Uh, the the Angels. Angels. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so he could be available again. Yeah. <laughs> right could, now, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a good point, right? Like he might be able. He might be able to be had. All right. Uh, come back in. Get a tid- dangle Connor Norby a little bit. Right. <laughs> come back. Get tidbit and tubular next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, it's Jeremy Kahn. This postseason, bet in person at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks with locations in Canton and in Towson and enjoy the best in-class sports wagering experience at their state-of-the-art facilities, bringing an unmatched sports betting thrill. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution, and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of special Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken. A family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. One of the things that's definitely wrong with this country is that this dude still has a job somehow, some way. Glenn Clark. All right. uh, Back in here on GCR as we are winding down for what has been one of the more incredible weeks in the history of Baltimore sports. 
Um, we didn't really even talk about Zach or honestly. Happy with it? Yeah, it's a weird, you know, like, I, part of that is because I wouldn't have had a terribly strong take. It makes sense. You know, this is the continuity thing that you brought up yesterday. I, I thought it was interesting that, and I said this about, like, I thought it was interesting when everybody's like, well, Anthony Weaver will just become the defensive coordinator. Well, they had the chance to make Anthony Weaver the defensive coordinator before, and they didn't. And I don't know if that's because of Anthony Weaver or because of the Ray. I don't know what that is. I don't know if Anthony Weaver says, I'm in a better situation being the associate head coach of the team than I am being the defensive coordinator. I don't know if that's... I mean, he still could take the Dolphins' D.C. job. That's still available at this point. I, I don't I don't know what to make of that. But I get it. it. Inherently, you like the idea of trying to keep continuity. Zach Orr is young, man. I mean, he's 31 years old. Talk about Mike McDonald being young. Mike McDonald, when he got the job as the Ravens' offensive coordinator, was three years older than Zach Orr was when he takes this job. And this is insane. He's a 31-year-old defensive coordinator in the NFL. But we get the circumstances are unique, right? Like his career was forced to end at a very young age, and he immediately stepped into a coaching role and you know, has moved up and has earned his opportunity. And we'll see. We'll see how it goes. The players seem to be fired up about it. Makes sense. They all seem to like Zach Orr. Cool. Cool. I, I, I've got, until we see it, I've got nothing. You know, remember that one week into Mike, or two weeks into Mike McDonald's tenure, nobody liked Mike McDonald. Let's not forget that. All of you that wanted to fire John Harbaugh to hire Mike McDonald hated Mike McDonald uh, uh, thir- yeah, uh, the, 30, week four, yeah, like. yeah, 30 or so games ago. <laughs> hated him. Thought it was a joke and it was nepotism and it was like nepotism. Yeah. Well, because he was he came from Michigan and he had worked with you know like it was incestual, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Yeah. I mean it was just this is why they got to look. You know, I'm so sick of them only taking on people that are within the family. They got to look outside the. And then you know, 30 games later, he was the greatest coach in the history of coaching, and it was time to fire the you know one of the most successful coaches in football history, so he could be the head coach. Again, it's why I, I don't really give much credence to, to, to groupthink. Changes on a whim. But in theory, all good. Sure. I hope that it sustains with Zach Orr. I get it. I got no complaints today. Let's see what this looks like when they're playing football next season. And, you know, there will be... There will be uh, issues and holes they got to fill and guys that are going to have to step up and take on bigger roles, and we'll see what it all looks like. It's it's so fascinating that like Mike, Michael Lombardi said, well, Justin Matabike is probably going to be gone. I'm like, do you know something that I don't yeah. know? <laughs> right? Like, what? I, I get it. The Ravens don't have an ungodly amount of money cap-wise, but I'd still be stunned. Like, is it possible that they tag him to trade him, that they say – we will just never be able to take on this amount of money. I guess it's possible. I don't I don't see that. And I would say that's where like you don't want to release Ronnie Stanley because that's sixteen million dollars worth of dead cap. But that's the type of thing where like if he's not willing to be flexible to give you the eight million dollars back, it might require you to release Ronnie Stanley because if that eight million dollars is the difference in your ability to keep Justin Matabike what are we doing here? 
We'll see. We'll see. Are we going to talk to Brian McFarland early next week? Is that in the cards? Uh, yes, yeah, that is in the cards. Try to get more of a sense of where the Ravens are cap-wise. All right, today's show has also been brought to you by uh, Live Casino. Oh, no, we already did that one. Yes, well, we, we love it. It has been we brought do. to you by Live Casino yeah. and Hotel, to make it very clear. But it's also brought to you by Goose Flights. We love Goose Flights, of course, as well. Goose Flights Lager available all over town in cans at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Plus, Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane. Plus, the Green Turtle Bet, Parts, Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton. Also available in cans and six-packs at Guilford Hall Brewery and the Costas Inn. And, but wait, there's more. Wow. And available in six-packs and cases at the Wine Source in Hamden. We have heard you, those that have asked for us to expand the footprint out more into the burbs. I promise you we're working on it. We're new to this. We're not a beer company. We're a sports media company. But we're trying to make that happen. All right? Goose Flights Lager. Delicious. Collector can. And it carries on the legacy of Tony Saragusa because 198 from every can sold goes to the Goose Flights Foundation and the work they're doing to provide non-emergency medical transportation for those that are in need. Now, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is still available for free. Your neighborhood Royal Farms at the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. It is our best of issue. We're starting to put plans into motion for the next issue. It will be a little bit delayed, but um, looking forward to getting that one out to you. In the meantime, go get the best of issue before it's gone. All right, uh... I was, you know, having trouble trying to just listening to you because I was getting so excited looking at these Corbin Burns stats, mm. uh, getting ready for my tidbit. Mm. Um, just like, yeah, I mean, like I'm not, I'm not worried about anything about the Ravens right now. I was worried about Gus Edwards getting three carries yesterday. Today, I am. Uh, yeah, carry. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I, couldn't care don't less. Give a rat's ass. Um, the first one I will do comes from Sarah Langs, uh, and so she pointed out Cobb Radish, of course, had a two eight three ERA last season. Corbin Burns has had two such seasons of a sub three ERA. Uh, so the Orioles uh, may be looking to have uh, their their two starting pitchers with a sub three ERA in the same season for the first time since the last time this happened was 1976 that the Orioles had two pitchers of with sub well, three starting pitchers. Palmer, Palmer was one of them. Yes, McNally, 76, 76, 76, 76. That's um, how about, how about, oh, God, um, 76, Jesus. Yeah. It was his final season with the Orioles. His final season, uh, uh Quayar? No, not Quayar. 76. He had, like, a mediocre career. It wasn't <laughs> really, like, okay. like, this was, it was by far his best season. Mediocre career. By f- it wasn't Ross, was it? No. It'd be yeah. awesome if it was. Yeah. I'd love <laughs> that if that was the case. Um, I don't know. I don't it was, know. It was uh, Wayne Garland. Okay. Wayne Garland okay. and Jim Palmer the last time the Orioles had two sub-three starting pitchers, sub-three URA starting pitchers. All right, so also Corbin Burns, since 2020, he has 14 such games with 10 strikeouts and zero runs allowed. 14 such games. In all of Major League Baseball, no other player has even double-digit games. Of, remarkable. 
That's, ten strikeouts. That is remarkable. And zero runs. Um, so let's go ahead and see if you can name. Uh, well, yeah, round at the top eight here. So seven others. Uh, they've all had seven such games between seven and nine games of ten strikeouts and zero runs. All the pitchers that Corbin Burns has been better than the last three seasons. Okay, how about um, let's go with the big dogs, Verlander. Verlander not on this list. Okay, Scherzer. Scherzer is on this one. Seven games. Kershaw. No Kershaw. So Verlander had three. Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is on the list. What's the time frame? Um, the last three seasons since twenty twenty. So I guess four seasons. 20, 21, 22. Mm-hmm. Well, 20, 20 kind of barely counts, right? Um, okay, how about how about Shohei Otani? Shohei Otani is, of course, on the list. I hear he's good. He's all right. How about uh, Strider? Uh, Spencer Strider didn't make because when did he debut? But he he only has five. Okay. So, okay. He'll you you say like that was a crazy yeah. guess. I get yeah. it. Like, but uh, Freed? Uh, not Max Freed. That's a good guess, though. Um, Framber Valdez? Not Framber Valdez. How about, uh, Arias? No. No Julio Arias. You Darvish? No Darvish. Okay. Um... Uh, littering and littering and how about Dylan Cease? Dylan Cease would be on this list. He had seven games. Luis Castillo, not Luis Castillo. Uh, Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman will be just outside of my cutoff. He had six games. Shane McClanahan. In the top ten. Not Shane McClanahan. Sandy Alcantara. Or no Alcantara or whatever. No Sandy. Okay. So we're missing three more. Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen uh, just outside as well. Just outside the top ten with five. I hope it's Jack Flaherty. That would be fun. <laughs> it's not Jack Flaherty. Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber also just outside. Five. Rodon. Carlos Rodon. Well, you rounded out the top ten. You would round out the top ten. Rodon had six. Awesome. Think of other guys the Orioles. Blake Snell. Blake Snell, nine. Second most in this time frame. Oh, I didn't guess it. Maybe because I was going by teams, and he's not currently on a team. Might have something to do with it. Um, there is a – do you want teams yet, or do you keep on a guess? I mean, I'm doing so well. There's another Brewer on the list. Devin Williams. Not Devin Williams. Uh, starters. Oh, right. What am I doing? That could Jeez. be good. I mean, you know, if D.L. Hall – it's weird that they want to go with as with it, start as a starter. Why? I don't know. Like, I feel like I, 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 pairing look, him with Devin Williams could be lethal. Um, that doesn't mean that he's – Yes, like, but that can always can be there. turn back I, into – I yeah, get I it. Guess. Like, I do get it with them. So yeah, it's – um the outside chances of Jake Arrieta and whatever. It's, uh, it's Peralta – uh, no, it's not Peralta. The F is it? <laughs> it's not Wade Miley. Not Wade Miley. Who is it? Who's the other brewer? Uh, you're, you're giving up? Yeah, who is it? Brandon Woodruff. 
He's not there anymore, isn't he? Where is he now? I did he signed, wasn't a, He did this with all the. He did all this. Yeah, with but the that's that's a lot different than saying there's another brewer on I'm the list. Sure he's still in the Brewers, right? Like, he's a free agent. We, oh, he's he's a free agent. Okay. Yeah. We'll go get him. I, not opposed. Not opposed. I guess I should have guessed it, but still, I didn't think he was currently a brewer. Um, yeah, why is he a free agent? I don't remember what the story was with Brandon Woodruff. I don't remember. All right, anyway. Um, one more, and he is a... Uh, oh, he's going to miss the season. Oh, all right. He well, had a right, right shoulder surgery. Um, he is, uh, he's on teams that you've guessed. Or he's, he was a Brave, and an, oh, that'll give it away. He's currently a Brave. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> right? I know this. It's... It's not Freed. It's not Strider. It's Morton. It. Yep, Charlie Morton. Okay. During his time with the Astros and the Braves, Charlie Morton had seven as well. So well done. Well, Top ten. I mean, kind of. But number one not is really, the one that matters. Corbin really Burns, well number one. All right, very good. Um, here's coming up totally tubular this weekend. Tubular is brought to you by Superbook Sports. We went over some of the Orioles' futures a little bit earlier from Superbook Sports. So the line, I got Towson at minus seven and a half. Oh. Bummer. Big yeah. bummer. Well, that doesn't make sense. It's minus seven. That's was, Superbook, wasn't it? It was. I got it at seven and a half whenever I got it. So they changed, Superbook changed the line before the game is what you're saying? Yeah. That's a big bummer. Yes. That's a big, big bummer. Well, <laughs> I was I was going you up were, and back and forth. You were a loo I did. They were in my money line parlay, so we hit that. And then also came back with Nebraska as well. Nebraska getting a big win over Wisconsin. So All right. So you have that going for you. Tonight, Mount St. Mary's, uh, two-point dogs on the road at Marist. You can bet that at Superbook. Uh, I was hoping that maybe they would have action on uh, tomorrow night and Caitlin Clark, but uh, they don't normally put college basketball yeah, lines up till the day of the game, unfortunately. So... Go to Superbook.com, download the Superbook app, use the code GlennClark23 when you sign up. Receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. Superbook.com, download the Superbook app. Here is what's coming up this weekend, totally tubular-wise, and it is busy. Not a ton tonight. Uh, as I mentioned, Mount St. Mary's is at Mayor, 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. The NHL All-Star Skills Competition at 7 on ESPN. Yes. Tomorrow, you're going to turn on Fox if you're a Maryland fan, and you're going to stay there for like five hours because at 5.30, the Maryland men travel to Michigan State, and then the Maryland women host Caitlin Clark in Iowa at 8. The game is sold out, and the resale tickets are very pricey. So if you missed out, you missed out. Uh, in the afternoon, you can spend your time with the uh, CBS Sports Network, Navy. Actually, it's an afternoon slash early evening. Navy Colgate, 12 o'clock on CBS Sports Network, and then Towson Hofstra at mm. 6 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Uh, college lacrosse season gets underway tomorrow. ESPN Plus, Denver, Hopkins at noon. Mount St. Mary's Navy at noon. I'll be with you for Georgetown Loyola at 1. Maryland Richmond at 1. Some college basketball on ESPN Plus tomorrow as well. Holy Cross Loyola at 5. UMBC Albany at 7. Uh, Morgan and Coppin are both on the road tomorrow at South Carolina State and Norfolk State, respectively. Uh, tomorrow night, or sorry, tomorrow afternoon, the NHL All-Star Game, 3 o'clock on ABC. The Senior Bowl tomorrow at 1 o'clock on NFL Network. And on Sunday... ESPN Plus from Mount St. Mary's, Siena at 2 o'clock. Uh, the Pro Bowl, if that's something that tickles your fancy. The Pro 
Pro Bowl, the Pro and flag I, football game. Yeah, I can't fathom why. But, oh, it's the know. Mannings versus it's the Mannings. Have to Peyton versus Eli. Sure, if that's something that tickles I your heard fancy. Peyton is uh, very upset about Eli winning last year, so he's coming back with a vengeance. Hired Wes Welker as his OC. Sure, it's on ABC and ESPN at three o'clock on Sunday. What else I are you gonna watch? Don't give her anything. Anything at all. You think we'll get nice weather Sunday? That'd be awesome. Yes, sure. Go outside. Do anything other than spending your time that way. I cannot fathom it, but, you know, live your life, I guess. Oh, breaking news. What? Pucks Tony Phil did not well, see not his breaking. shadow. That's not breaking. I mean, yeah, it happened earlier. Six hours. That so. happened earlier, but. I had some friends who went this year, actually, that moved up to Pucks Tony from here uh, and went for the first time. And It's uh, exciting. Yeah. I didn't get that sense, but whatever. If there's nothing else to do in Bungsatani, non-sports. The Grammys. The Grammys are this weekend. That's right. right. Yes, the Grammys hosted by Trevor Noah on a Sunday night at eight. Um, followed by a nine o'clock. Well, I guess it won't be followed by it there, but at ten o'clock on HBO, uh, season twelve. Oh, of Curb. Curb, right? Yeah. Curb your Big enthusiasm Sunday is night. back. Yeah. Uh, as Larry David will be on Fallon tonight, along with Cole Sprouse for Lisa yeah. Frankenstein on uh, on Fallon tonight, and then Mr. and Mrs. Smith. On Prime Video with Donald Glover and Maya uh, Eskreen, Eskreen. Um If you say so. Yes. And then, uh, of course, Love and WWE with Bianca and Montez. Oh, right. Yesterday. And uh, then there's a new episode of Masters of the Air. This uh, show came out last week uh, on Apple TV+. Plus. This is what Austin Butler was doing whenever you asked about that. Uh, okay. Um, he's in this. It's like a Steven, it's from Steven Spielberg, and it's like a World War II uh, like fighter pilot. Um, it looks interesting, and it, it, it looks good. So I might, I might check it out at some point. Okay, if you say so. Apple TV Plus. Good good for you. I got nothing. Um, Masters of the Year. Find everything else, glennclarkradio.com. Thanks today to Stan the Fan. Thanks also to Dan Duquette. Thanks to Ben McDonald. Thanks to Xavier Scruggs. Thanks to John Ar- Orand. So i got to make sure I get that right. And Mike Lombardi will get all of it up in the greatest hit section of the... Oh, my God, it's so good. ...tab at glennclarkradio.com. There could be six more things that we have yeah, to talk about by the time we get to Monday. We'll talk about the newest Oriole, Shohei Otani, on uh, That would be great if Monday. that's what we're talking about. Um, give, uh, well, at some point early next week, we had to move uh, Bo because he had to do the press conference day. It just didn't work out for us timing-wise, so we'll try to catch up with Bo Smolka and... Brian McFarland and some of the stuff that I wanted to do this week. I wanted to put Kenny Amatololo on this week, talk about his new job. That we just had a lot going on. So we'll get to some of that next week. Next week we will dive into more of that. Thanks, everybody, at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, Mother's North Grill, A.J. Michaels, Guilford Hall Brewery, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Glory Days Grill, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go Maryland and all the local college basketball teams, all the local college lacrosse teams. Duke sucks.